Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night, whenever you listen to this. This is Matthew Bailey and <laughs> oh, I have a lot of stuff to talk about today and this month actually, this month being December. But of course I can't do it on my own, I have to do it with my critiquing partner in crime, Ricardo Medina. Hola, hello. Yes, and the show that I'm going to do it in, of course, is called Bears, Beats and Bailey. So, yeah. yeah, it's been a good while, actually like a couple of weeks since I've done the last um, podcast, just... You know, things to do, you know, Black Friday, work, and, you know, more or less, we yeah, now reached Yeah, uh, you have to be on set for something. Yeah, yeah, that's a little shoot that we did um a while back. So, yes, we are now mm. in December, so now, well, December for me is just the, the, the month where not only do I have to find time to, to, to watch my favorite Christmas movies, but also to yeah. try and catch up on the movies that I that I missed out this year, and also, yeah. you know, to recap or rewatch the... the um. The movies that I loved before, but you know, um, this year, but I only got to see it yeah. once. So this month actually is where I get to watch the good and the bad. Basically, right. yeah. Yeah, well, uh, well, so it's a bit of a dumb cliche, uh, but you know, everybody's favorite Christmas movie is Die Hard, and this will be the first without <laughs> one of. Uh, that's, actually, that's my second favorite. My first one, without a doubt, A Christmas Story. That one has just hit my right, right. in the heart. That that one I can relate to so right. much. Right. But on the subject, right, though, um, is, uh, is the yeah, first, go on. Is the first without Alan Rickman? Yeah. 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 So. You know, come to think of it, we really, we really should. Cause you know, we were supposed to do a retrospect review um, last month. I, I think we can attempt it basically with uh, with FIFA Vendetta, but I don't right. see why we can't do a little Christmas thing. You know, we could talk about, we could review Die Hard. You know, the first one, of course. Right. I mean, I, I, right. I really enjoy the second one, but, you know, the first one is the one that, yeah, the first you know, is a true classic, Drew. Yeah, yeah. I like yeah. the second one. The second, I like all the others except for five, no, of course. Five yeah, no, uh, that's good with me, eh? Um, for me, the first three, uh, like, I like I like the first and second. The, the three, three was its own thing, and a lot yes. of people actually like three more than two. Um, I can't say that in good conscience, but because three decided to do something interesting with it, and it was kind of clever with the whole, all the puzzles, and then Sam Jackson was nice in it. And Of course, and you really I got that nice like, against time feel. It really felt like the clock yeah. was ticking over uh, that yeah. one. But uh, then, and then they did four. Four was a mess for me. Um, <laughs> that was that was dumb and, fun, but I let it slide because it's John McLean yeah. and Bruce Willis. So I, I, right. I give it a pass. Four, four was kind of a mess for me, and then well, five was just atrocious. Yeah, like, five was terrible. That was, that was on my worst yeah. list for when, I, when it came out. I think it was 2012 or something like that. Yeah, I, I mean, it's yeah. like, why that even exists is beyond me. I, I don't know, I don't know. And just what he do with his son, Dredd, you know, Jai Courtney. Oh, Lord. I think that was the yeah, time when I started to hate Jai Courtney. From now, from yeah, now Dredd, on, that that's me. when it starts. Yeah. Oh, Lord. Anyway. But yeah, but um, like I said, you know, on the subject of bad movies. So, yes, I, I, I actually have to suffer through some bad movies because... Um, like that song from, you know, Suicide Squad says, I'm a sucker for pain. Yes, I am. Okay. And in this very podcast here that you listen to right now, I'm going to talk about one particular movie, one that, you know, a lot of people have been, you know, rating as one of the worst for the year. And I believe it came out in January. Early right. January, actually. Um, it's, oh gosh. It's Norm of the North. Yeah. 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 I'm going to do that, a quick rant. Yeah. I, I don't I know. Mean, it, it was just... You went another animated movie, so just a compare and contrast of how extreme and how how much you can royally fuck up an animated movie, right? Compared to what we what we we're going to review later, which is Moana. Of course, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Right. So so yeah. And so no, the note is going to come right after Moana. Yeah. That's early heads. Uh, 
Yeah, I do not know before, eh? Just a game one as a palate cleanse. Yeah, uh what do you think? You know? Well, we could do yeah, we, we could do it anyway. well, we, we could well, do, yeah. we could do the norm first and then um and then yeah. um one afterwards, I guess. But um right. alongside those two shows, um we're also gonna talk about um Fantastic Beasts and where to find them. I finally got the chance yes. to check it out. I knew it came out a while back, but I finally took it in and I also checked out well yes. we actually took in um Allied, which yes. is the newest film from legendary director Robert Zemeckis. Yes. And we're gonna close things off. We're gonna get a little geeky here. We're gonna talk about that, that crossover man. That 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 the yeah. CW was hyping up for for months, and they, they, they finally unleashed it to the world. You know, last yeah. week at the time of this recording. Of course, I'm yeah. talking about the Supergirl, Arrow, Flash, and Legends of Tomorrow crossover that they did quite yeah. recently. So yeah, and it will be you know spoiler ish. Yes, it will be spoiler heavy. With this one. No, no, we're gonna talk about it. Like, yeah, we we have to. to. There's no way we could talk yeah. about that without spoiling it. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, but um, alongside those things, before I forget, um, well, you could start it off with this. There was some um, game trailers that came out um, last week, I believe. Yeah, um, yeah, and I so, saw a few of them. I, okay, so two it. things. Well, it had two. It had the game. It had the game awards. Yes. And then they had Sony had a full kind of running press conference with a lot of stuff that came out. Um, um but if really... I could just it for a bit, that that game awards, right? Like. I didn't know much about about that game awards going in, but um, yeah, no, a couple of people were seeing a couple of people seeing something along the line of um, how Street Fighter Five, I think, how that right. suddenly won game of the year. They were like, "What? How could yeah. that game win?" Oh. So, well, it, it didn't win game of the year. Um, well, what what is it? What what was it about that game in particular that had people going crazy? Was that something, something along? No, something along with Street Fighter Five or something like that. I don't know what you're talking about. Game, the game that won Game of the Year was Overwatch. Oh, Overwatch uh, won. Okay, okay. Sorry. My, yeah, my, Overwatch, my... Is, Overwatch is a, a, a class-based shooter in the same vein as Team Fortress 2. Although it's kind of like um, League of Legends a little bit, but everything is first-person shooter. So it's more comparable to Team Fortress 2. Okay. Um, for me personally, Team Fortress 2 is easily one of my favorite games in the last 10 years or so. I've, I, I probably put more time in that game than anything probably in my whole life, actually, arguably. Um, I've like over... $2,500 of that game. Anyway, it's one of my favorite games I've won. This basically is a nice, like, new generation version of that. And the game is pretty damn good. I'll say a skill ceiling-wise is not as good as Team Fortress 2. Um, but it's still getting up there, and it, it, it had a lot of room to evolve. And uh, a lot of people didn't really agree with it getting Game of the Year, in my opinion. Uh, but I don't see why not. I mean, it was easily the most popular game of the year. Um, a lot of people yeah, love it. From, from what I know. It's very, yeah. very well-received. Um, in terms of numbers, it's if you see the numbers, well, it, like any other Blizzard game, it's an insane amount of player player base, very very big, and yeah, it just have a big re- relationship with the developers and the users, and the game is great. I personally just didn't have time to get into it, frankly. Uh, I don't know, I just just can't find time with, and I actually still, well, you know, guilty, still find my time to play Team Fortress 2 a little bit ever so often, mostly yeah. because it's sort of kill time. Um, but yeah. Yeah, it kind of deserved the win in, in many ways. I can't, I can't really, you know, big complaints. I know a lot of, like, gaming press and a couple, like, gaming critics will say, oh, you know, people sucking Blizzard dick and whatever, whatever. <laughs> but, um, nah, I, it not, it not, it's not a big surprise. And it was just, I kind of, I kind of expected it to happen. Um, anyway, but for me, uh, the game awards, the stuff that more, I get more hyped of was, well, three games. Um, the sequel to Mass Effect, the fourth Mass Effect game, Mass Effect Andromeda. Okay. 
I'm a huge fan of the Mass Effect franchise, even though the third game was a complete mess. Yes, um, so, so I've heard, so I've heard by many streamers. So, yeah. they really dropped the ball with the story. And it's not even just the ending, is yeah? People say oh, the uh, ending... Uh, was... I, yeah, that's why I thought. I thought it was the ending that killed it. Not no, the, not just the end. The whole game was bad, in my opinion. Um, oh. Very little of it I enjoyed as a single-player campaign. However, the multiplayer campaign was pretty badass, and I actually, ironically, have the most amount of time playing Mass Effect, simply because of the multiplayer. Um, okay. The second game I really, really had me hyped was... Death Stranding, latest by Hideo Kojima. Yes, um, I saw the trailer for that. Of, yeah, yeah, you trying to Hideo Kojima? They showed they showed a trailer thing last about no E3. They showed the first trailer for it. I remember. Yeah, with, we talk, uh, with Norman Reedus. Uh, we Norman talked about Reedus. it before. Well, you did, but and this new trailer, awesome. They yes, had Game yes. of Del Toro. Yeah, <laughs> four <Yeah>. people. <laughs> that was a nice surprise. Now I knew I knew Game of Del Toro and, and um, Hideo Kojima were doing something together. So I, I, it wasn't too clear what they were doing, and I didn't really follow the scuttle, but too heavily. Um. But yeah, uh, it was cool to see him in the thing. And then um, Mads Mikkelsen. Um, yeah. Right. And Mads Mikkelsen basically playing, you know, Metal Gear Kaecilius in this time. He, do, he played roughly a similar character, looking like a kind of wizard, kind of. I'm not sure where's his power set or what his story is. And Hideo Kojima is one of those directors um, slash game makers. And I actually put him more in the domain of filmmaker. And I kind of running joke with him. Um, he's the kind of guy that all of his trailers and his material has this kind of... Um, mystery box style that you'll get from somebody like J.J. Abrams. Right, right. And yet you have no idea what's going on in the trailer, but it's really engaging and really well-framed and well-edited and it's looking awesome. Yeah. And yeah, I just totally hyped for this game. I have no idea what it's about. Game Neither me. I, crap, I saw the trailer. But, I was like, I don't know what it is, but it looks incredible. Yeah, I have one running theme of apparently men making babies or men taking care of babies in some way shape or form or something yeah, to do with fatherhood yeah some kind of intravenous thing with babies some kind of thing going right, on yeah. right so you have a lot of baby men baby something not sure yeah right so if anybody who anybody who's familiar with Tumblr would be familiar with the concept of Mpreg it's the freakiest thing you'll ever watch on Tumblr but that is basically a lot of people making Mpreg jokes uh, and yeah that really had me hyped and the third game that had me really hyped uh, is The Last of Us 2 yeah, which believe it um, or not, I've never played the original one, so I saw the, the right, this so new trailer. I was like, in my oh, opinion, this looks really in my good. Opinion, yeah, in my opinion, The Last of Us is nothing short of a masterpiece. Um, wow. It's a fantastic game. Uh, it's really, really well done as a story. The thing is, it's more narrative than gameplay, because the gameplay is not particularly impressive or inspired. Um, it's it's good, but it's, it's just date, just a gear forward in the plot. The plot and the characterization is 10 out of 10. It's a fantastic world. And they had they had a lot of great character development. The ending, for me, is one of the best damn endings I've seen in a show. It's a great post-apocalyptic sci-fi. Um, to get, for anybody who's not going to play the video game or, or um, have any idea what it's about, if you see the new Wolverine um, new Wolverine movie coming out, it's very similar to that. Everybody started making comparisons to that. Um, yeah. But yeah. And then they have a sequel. And I was like, whoa. Now, for me, The Last of Us was kind of perfect as is, so it made me really, really skeptical of even making a sequel for it. But that trailer was like, yeah, it looking like an interesting direction where they're going. Um, the, I'm not sure what they're going to do with it, but from the spoilers, on, well, spoilers if you haven't seen the trailer, Ellie is like on a revenge mission, essentially. The main, she's one of the main characters from the first game. She was the little girl you had to protect as Joe. Right. Um, and Ellie's character, well, we're not sure what happened because it's unclear if, if the way they framed everything, it looked like if, well... It's possible that Joe has died in, in... Because we're not sure how much of a time skip has happened. But it looked like about a good... I don't know. It looked like about five, maybe ten years. But it looked like about five years or so from the, the events of the first game. Um, Ellie just on a revenge mission. She says she's going to kill all of them. We don't know who's these all, who's these people. 
Um, and it's 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 hinted that Joe might be killed. It's quite possible that Joe is dead in this. Um, and because of the same people she wants to go after. Um, another thing, well, Ellie's character is, is uh, gay. You, you learn that in one of the DLCs of the um, of the game. Oh, really? And okay. it's possible that her lover is killed as well. So that's a possibility of a, of a, a, a impetus for, for revenge as well. Right. So it's quite possible that be a story. So we're not sure. Uh, but it looks great. Uh, I, again, uh, initial trailer, have no, no clue. And I'm very skeptical of making a, a sequel to a game that to me was a more or less a perfect story as is. So what I suspect it might be, it might end up being like Portal 1 and Portal 2. You know, Portal 1 to me was a perfect, tight, perfect story. And then Portal 2 came along, not as good as the first, but was still pretty good on its own right. And it did its own thing. And it was, I still thought um, it worked on its own way. So we could get a solid sequel. I, and, you know, the, the, people at, the people at Naughty Dog just, you know, they don't fuck up. These, these guys always give us a good narrative. Um, even though a lot of the games kind of get long in the tooth, especially, you know, the Nathan Drake franchise. Mm-hmm. Um so I just my, 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 my quick two cents on you know all of these games. I said the three games I just got hyped with. Not a bunch of other trailers. I don't really care about those. All right, well, that's well, the okay. Well, the it ones was, that, that I saw actually, um, I saw it off of um, IGN's uh, YouTube channel. So I saw right. um, the one that um, Uncharted. Yeah. Uh, Lost Legacy, I believe the name of it is. Uh, yeah, that's, that's the franchise I talk about. You see, the Uncharted franchise, a yes. little too many sequels, kind of getting tired of them. But still, that thing, those games are quite good. So I can't really complain. It's not like they're making and again worse. They're still pretty solid. It's just, I kind of tired of Nathan Drake. A little bit. It, I don't know. It's, it's, right. it's like they just want a movie out of this thing so bad, but it's like, you know what? That's thing, Probably right? Just, exactly. I, I know we had to wait till 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 um till Assassin's Creed makes a ton of money. And like, okay, right. now we can make right. that movie, and then we could stop making That's games. Thing. I'm incredibly skeptical of Assassin's Creed because if I didn't know how bad um if if I didn't, I didn't expect Blizzard to fuck up Warcraft so badly, oh, so oh, yeah. I was like, how, how could I forget? <laughs> right. So I was like, how you know why somebody a normal studio who don't know the material gonna get it done right? Um. So I, I was like really really shocked at that. Um, but I, I, I really not. I don't have any hope for Assassin's Creed. So the Nathan Drake franchise is basically a kind of slightly modernized version of Indiana Jones. It's Indiana Jones. Yeah, yeah. It's the same, yeah, that same, well, same character. Uh, it's done very well, and it's a little more, little um, salty than Indiana Jones, but it's still very well done. But I can't really complain because all of those games are quite good. You can't say that any of the games were particularly bad. Yeah, and, and at least you know, compared to Assassin's Creed, which had outright terrible games, Mass Effect outright terrible games. Um, those games were still pretty solid for the most part, so yeah, I expect that to be alright still. Right. Um, yeah. Well, all right. Well, this this last couple of things I'll say about um those those trailers I saw on IGN. <laughs> I don't know. It's, maybe it's just because I'm not that much of a of a gamer. Actually, I haven't played games like video games in like a, a long long while. Sue me. I know. But right. for, I, for, for nearly, I, what for, I recommend to do. Yeah. Since, since you're not, you know, that's a quick tip but on the air, I kind of make, I kind of make it out. Um, since you're not going to get into the PC stuff, I, like, I totally recommend, if yeah, anything, I'm not going to get into quick, the PC I, stuff. I, I want to get into the PC you. stuff. I want to. <laughs> then you have to spend a ton of cash. I mean, you have to that's buy a, a good graphic card and whatever. Yeah, But my yeah. thing is, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I would recommend just get, just try to get PS4 Pro if you could. Um, if you could get that, and then, you know, if you could get a 4K TV, just get that. And that's it. You should mm. be all right. Uh, I like guess I'll consider it, but yeah, but but just right. but just those trailers. Well, the ones that well, you know, that um, IGN showed. Of course, they were showing you know actual footage from the event itself. I like for Last right. of Us Two 
and um, you know Resident Evil and most of those games. I just love like how the right. audience was just reacting to it, but like especially for the Last of Us, yeah, too. like ah, yeah, you know, it, Last, was, it was it was crazy. It was a crazy. big surprise, but no one no one expected it to come true, and it was like wait when when people hear the um. When people hear the song opening, and then they show the little symbol for the... I think it was the Fireflies or the um, the Resistance. I forget the name of the symbol, because I haven't played the game in a while. And then when people saw that symbol, and I saw it, and I was like, oh shit, it's Last of Us. Oh shit. Wait, Last of Us sequel? Everybody, yeah, that really, really sucked, shocked everyone. And it looked good, so... Yeah, 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 it did. It did, it did. And, of course, yeah. the one for um, Dead Stranding. What? <laughs> that was crazy. No, well, when, yeah, when I, I saw Max, when I saw yeah. that, too, I was like, oh, nice, lovely. Yeah, yeah, I like me too. I was like, what? Okay. <laughs> Yeah, what time? And then it, it really looks it really looks engaging. I mean that world they're building, I've no idea what the hell going on. But say we want about Kojima, the man you know I just mentioned this before. Yeah. That shit looking just in damn engaging. You really want to see what's gonna happen next. Like what the hell is this about? Dude, the man's a legend, right? He's he's like the equivalent of like what a um you know, Spielberg and, and um uh right. you know and, Nolan, you know, you you want to see yes. you want to see what he yeah, could bring in next now. You know? Yeah, it's a good but he has he has his, his fair share of detractors, and it's for good reason because I kind of look at the Metal Gear franchise in the same way. I, you know, I kind of look at it as a kind of postmodern take on on it's like postmodern take on 20th century geopolitics. It's as if somebody with a massive post-traumatic stress disorder is telling the story of um, the 20th century geopolitics, and it's like a kind of Adam Curtis alternate reality kind of narrative. And that's what I love about that. So you kind of, if you look at it from that surrealistic standpoint, all the Metal Gear games are awesome, especially the third game. Um, but yeah, I can totally see why people think you have your head up your own ass and it it real pretentious and so on and so. But yeah, I'm just, uh, whatever, I grew up with gonna hate you. Game some since the first one. Yeah, haters are going to hate. That, that's how it is. That's how it is. But no, I, I still think he's, he's very, very talented at telling a good story, at least in terms of image and, and shots and, and, you know, how to frame characters and this kind of stuff. You know, he, he should totally be a filmmaker. He should have totally been a filmmaker. Yeah. Yeah. But just having this medium, you know, of, of telling a great story through video games, dude, that's, that's yeah. like amazing, dude. Like, yo. Right. <laughs> but yeah, but, but, but at the time when Metal Gear 1 was out, um, you know, video games were still, you know, in the doldrums of, of kind of, you know, just kind of underground still, not particularly big. This was, what, the mid-90s? Yeah. And, oh, I, I would say, you know, mash button. Um, to enjoy right. stick kind of thing and, and combos for, for him, kind of he was kind of like that big breakout person to try to really put games on the next level now. he's one of those yeah. um, and I, I have a, a massive amount of respect for the guy he's, he's a person that just get himself out there you know he have a bunch of celebrity friends he like really want to make big shit you know the whole thing with Konami that went down was just so much bullshit and so ridiculous um, that you know and if you, if, you, if you see what happened to Metal Gear 5 and you read up on that all of that shenanigans you'll realize how bullshitty Konami treat him and he, he started his own company now, and I, I fully in support of him. I have no problem getting all his games as soon as I can. Um, and yeah, I really on board with, with him. I'm a, a man, I'll, I'll support him to the end. He's a truly great, in my opinion, a really good creative mind that need still has time to grow. He's not like, you know, he still he has some age, but, you know, he can go and go away anytime soon. Yeah. You know, he's got a lot of energy. He's still great in that sense. Yeah. And here's hoping that he, he brings out some more great games. Well, I'm hoping that, you know, Dead Stranding turns out to be a masterpiece as well, too. A very yeah, influential yeah, game, really I'm hoping. Rooting. Yeah, yeah, I'm really, really rooting for that game. Really rooting for it. I really want it to be good. Right. Yeah. Well, speaking so, speaking of um of uh, non-Americans who managed to you know change the world in terms of very creative, very influential stories, we have to jump into J.K. Rowling's Fantastic Beasts and where to find them. Uh, yes. Yes. 
which believe which was actually written well the script actually was written by jk rollins i was actually surprised yeah. by that didn't know yes yeah, so, you know all of the harry potter fans is kind of jones in for more harry potter and yeah she kind of she kind of provided so she just decided to do okay it's a for one understand it's the shortest book of all of, of all of them um it's it was be, it's like just as kind of general compendium it wasn't really a, a book on its own from what I understand, it was just like a compendium of the actual textbook itself, explaining all the beasts and how they work and so on and so, so forth. And yes. then she decided to do the screenplay, um, just given a narrative and, you know, the main character, who the guy who wrote the book, which yeah, is the new, textbook. New, um, Scamander, yeah. Yeah, and you see the textbook in Harry Potter. You see Harry Potter reading. I think it's the, it's the second or the third film, if I remember correctly. I, I honestly can't remember, to be honest. Yeah, it's one of those. And uh, I, I, well, I, I'm not a big fan of the, uh, of the books. I, I don't know which book it was in, but I, I remember seeing the book, the textbook in the film. I was like, oh, yeah, 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 right. That was a thing. And they yeah. referenced it. And I kind of like this movie. I thought it was okay. Me too. I, I, I liked it, yeah. even though I'm not a, 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 a diehard Harry Potter fan. But I still appreciate right. it too. So, um, Right. And I... Yeah, go on. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, all right. Well, I'll just kind of run down quick as to what the story is about. I don't want to reveal too much. So, right. um, this story is actually based 70 years before the events of the Harry Potter, the, you know, the previous, I believe it was seven, yeah, the, the previous Harry Potter movies. So, right. um, it's set in 1926. We are introduced mm-hmm. to a British wizard by the name of Newt um, Scamander, played yeah. by um, Eddie Redmayne, who, by the way, I still don't understand how and why he won the Academy Award for Best Actor for... Uh, what was that show he was playing? Um, I forgot the guy's name. Um, he was uh, Stephen Hawking. Yeah, Stephen Hawking's uh, yeah. Theory of Everything. Yeah, Theory of which Everything. Was, yeah. Which was a decent movie. Oh, no, retrospective. Okay. I still don't understand me. how he could win for that. That, yes, that, was, that, was, that was crap. Oh, you don't like him in that? No, no. I, I mean, no, his performance was good, but there were other better performances that could have... Right. Somebody I, else could have won that, man. Come on. I can agree with you, but you know, yeah, you know, when it, the old joke is that you, you don't go full retard, you just play retarded and you're good. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Even though he retarded, he had, um, I forget what he had. Uh, I think MLS, uh, ALS. I think it was that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, ALS, I think he had Blue Gary's disease. Anyway, yeah, once you, once you play something akin to, you know, some cripple or something like that, yeah. And Stephen Hawking is, is a national treasure, so, you know, for Bringland, so it's like, yeah, you can't go wrong now. Yeah. And the the thing with it is the just the story itself. I think is uh, that's why he win because I actually think he's a really kind of fluctuating actor for me. Now I actually liked him in this. I thought his character worked because the character was you get this. You know what the character kind of remind me of? It he, the character was kind of like um if you're familiar with a, a real life um a real life animal expert named by the name of Temple Grandin. No. She it, she okay so she's I think she either uh, fully autistic or, or suffering from Asperger's. But she understand animals now, and she understand how to like design um, cow, like design slaughterhouses for cows to not suffer as much in the slaughterhouses. Okay. And she understand how animals work, and I, because the character really came across as like basically like a kind of autistic Asperger's character now, and I yeah. thought that's what they were going for. So that's why I kind of got from that now, um, yeah. in this in this, and so that's why I, can, I actually kind of like him like that because I thought they were kind of going for the Temple Grandin character now. Okay. That's why I thought. It, that's why that's why that's why it came across at least to me. But if like if you wasn't looking for that, this character would be like incredibly annoying to you now. Yeah, well, I wasn't really. I was I was more kind of thinking about the character, the way how he's kind of moving, you know, reserved and stuff. Well, I'll get right. back into what his story is about. But the way how his character, you know, works is that um, he he doesn't say a lot. 
You know, he says what right. he has to say, basically. But um, you could tell that there's been a lot of stuff, a lot of hurt that he's trying to, you know, to, right. to keep repressing her. But, you know, every, right. every time somebody gets closer, even, you know, if a particular character, I'm not going to say who tries to, you know, mind read him, you know, he right. tries to keep things away from that person. That's the character. Right. And that, was, yeah, that made them really interesting to me, you know. I got I got some of that as well from I got some of that from from him as well. Like you know, he just he just kind of shut himself off emotionally, but I find he was a little too like shut off emotionally, now. In my opinion, if you if you get what I'm saying. Yeah, I, like, I, yeah. I actually do see what you mean because you, you're kind of hoping that maybe in the end he would have opened up a little bit more, you know. Well, but, I, I but don't mean like smile even, or like, react, but no, even even simple like interactions. You would have think, all right, you know, you're supposed to say something different, and he does really come across as like a kind of autistic kind of character. That is what that is what he came across like to me now. Anyway, go through the story. Yeah. Go through a doc who meets Pokemon. <laughs> oh gosh, yes, yes. Yeah. So Newt Scamander, not to be confused with Ash Ketchum, um, arrives <laughs> in New York City because, um, well, I'm not gonna say why exactly, but it has something to do with Arizona. He just needs to get there, and he has this suitcase right. with him. And in this suitcase has a wide variety, you know, um, of, you know, different magical creatures, you know, most of which, you know, yeah. you see, well, some of which actually you see in the, you know, the other Harry Potter movies, although for the life of me, I can't remember them. I only saw like some new ones and right. whatnot, but anyway. So, um, as you would expect in a big place like New York, you know, the, the, um, the suitcase gets, ends up in the wrong person's hands. That person um, actually right. being um, a one second. the best character. Yes, 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 the best character. Yeah, in the whole show. I know, but uh, yeah, because I was so shocked at um, what's his name, Dan Fogler. Well, well, yeah, Dan Fogler who plays um, Jacob. Yeah, he start. He, I he's was actually really like shocked this at worker. Good... Yeah, he, he he's work at this um, yeah. canary factory, and you know he's trying right. to make his way. He wants to be a baker. You know, he wants to do something that he loves now. And then he just have, yeah. has, has, like runs into, um, you know, Newt's character, and then you know, you know, the the suitcases are switched, and then of course it opens up, and all these creatures, or at least some of them, right. escape, and one thing leads to the other, and that kind of reveals this um, this deep dark creature that's been roaming throughout New York, you know, killing wizards, and you know, you know, bringing fear throughout the entire um, city, because basically what's going on is that witchcraft has been banned, you know, witches have been forced to, you know, retreat on the ground and, you know, form the little society there. Because if they reveal yeah. themselves to the world, they could be prosecuted and, you know, killed. So, you know, now we have um, Newt and Jacob and two other characters as well, too. Both of whom are sisters and magicians, um, sorry, wizards as well, too. And they all roped yeah. into the situation where not only they have to capture these beasts, but there's, you know, have to stop this particular monster from, you know, doing yeah. its evil stuff <laughs> basically right yeah but back to, to dan fogler's character best character i i totally agree but yeah uh but the thing about dan fogler is that i know him from like silly comedy movies that i just never take him seriously now he was in a movie i remember that was so much crap it was so silly uh I remember balls of fury i remember wanting to see it and then when i saw the yeah, trailers and all the jokes i was like a ping pong movie essentially starring i think um is it name, boy? Christopher Walken was in it. Yeah, Christopher, Christopher Walken was in it. It was really, really, like, real dumb. Like, yeah. really, really dumb. Like, when it, I, I never took him seriously from then, but he was so good in this. I thought he was so good in this. He was, like, really got into He was, like, the only person who, like, really engaged in the script for me. Yeah. Like, everybody else felt, like, kind of out it. 
But he was like relented. I was like, yeah, this is easy. easy. I really want to see him get more roles after this. All right. The way you say out of it, because what I got from him is that he was like the, the character that the audience has to relate to. Like he doesn't know anything was going on and he has to be kind right. of spoon fed and he had to figure things out. So when you see that other right. people, the other actors, what it is that they were trying their hardest no, he, to sound um, be, British yeah, or Wizards or whatever. No, but TP just brought a great energy that he doesn't get from anybody else. I don't know. That's just me. Uh, he was the only, I, I, every I time he was on screen. Especially if you compare him to like Eddie's character. Eddie's performance. Right. Well, every time he was on screen, I was, I was like, it had action sequences that was, that was less engaging than when he was on screen. I guess he, yeah, he we, just we talking talk about the action in that in a bit, but continue. Yeah, he had, he had, nice, he had a nice little love, love thing going on with the, uh, what's your name, boy? Um, uh, Queenie, the, who's played by Alison Sudol, who looked very, very, very attractive. I was like, like every time she was yeah, on screen, I was like, and I don't know. And like it had a little run. It had a scene in a bar that was great with him. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And, yes. Was, and, and also um, a brief appearance by uh, near unrecognizable Ron Pullman. I was like, Okay, this guy yeah, looks yeah. familiar, but then when I saw the name, I was like, oh, that's voice, Shindo. Though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the voice I didn't pick up, but the chin is like, yeah, that's that's Ron Pullman, though. Oh my gosh, I didn't yeah. pick up on that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I... But continue. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, but... Um, no, you go ahead. All right, well, what I would say, well, the thing is, like, when... I don't know, I have to blame it on the screen itself, but I find that the, the, the color scheme for it, like, when I saw it, it looked really dull, it looked really gray and stuff, you know, lots of... Actually... I don't yeah. know, baby. Actually, I, I, I guess that was the screen that I saw it because, like, compare that to like the the trailers that you would see online, and they look right. so crisp, no. so well done. But I don't know what happened there. I I did that as well. But here's the thing: I don't know if it was the screen or if it was the glasses because I I saw it in 3D. Me too. And... I, I was wondering if it's the 3D effect that maybe yes, that's no, why the colors look so noticed. dull. Yes, yeah. what I noticed. I took off the glasses. I just wanted to rub my eyes. I took off the glasses for two seconds, and then when I saw the screen, I was like, "Wait, looking brighter than normal." Oh, I put so? on the glasses okay. and everything was dulled Everything was dulled out. And 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 just uh and then I noticed I turn in I like I turn the 3D glasses and I've noticed uh, when I turn it it looking a little brighter. So I don't know what what was that like is it the, the glasses, if it's the screen itself, I'm not sure. I, I think it's just we have crap either, You see now you got the same problem. I right. you would assume it's because of the 3D conversion. Maybe it has to do with that. Something, yeah. yeah. So maybe it's the actual video, or maybe it's the glasses. I'm I not don't too know sure. because it, it was. It, I don't know if that was intentional or not. Because the story works with it every look, looking looking great out, especially with all the sequences where the when they reveal who the villain was. Yeah, um, at, at some point, but I had others where I was like, okay, this is too much dull colors, man. I want to see some right. more brightness, man. I know, like with Harry Potter, you know, the movies, you tend to get a lot of shadows and a lot of blues, and you know, you know. The colors and you know dark colors and stuff, but every once in a while you want to right. see a little brightness now. and you do get that in the movie. But it's just that in those moments, it did kind of come off a little dullness. So I was kind of warning if I was the only one who who picked up on uh, on it. Apparently not. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I yeah I noticed it. I I noticed it as well. But I noticed it only because of the the the, the glasses. When I took off the glasses, everything was blurry, of course, but it was much more colorful. So I don't know what was going on there. Yeah. Again, something they did on one of the layers. In the 3D, I don't know. They did something. Right. Right. Yeah, but um, uh, other, so, other than that, though, um, I tried to kind of, you know, invest myself in the story, even though there were times where I was like, oh, these colors, uh, especially the exterior scenes, like, oh, we still have this dull stuff. I don't know. And I was thinking, oh, well, because it's a period piece, it has to look a kind of way, but no, that's it doesn't the, have to. It's No, but that's the thing, <laughs> no. because the story works just as well, because it's clearly more adult 
But it didn't have to be like that. And I get a feeling they, 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 they slip up somewhere in the, in the production. I get a feeling it was an intentional choice and then they couldn't turn back and they wanted to do it here. I don't know. Yeah, it, it could be, it could be. And on the subject of that, you could kind of tell at some point in time there were, I wouldn't say clashes or whatever, but you could tell that JK was going a particular route. Right. But, you know, the studios, well, of course, Warner Brothers wanted something else. And, yeah, we could jump into the action sequences, especially, like, in the third act, where right. it just, like, I saw it, and I, you know, it was directed well, it looked really well and stuff, but it was still like, yeah, um, this is, like, just every other um, blockbuster yeah, movie I've seen see for the year. Same thing, same kind of, you know, big, flashy, sorry, not flashy, but big, gigantic creature doing its thing, and flying right. up in the air and smashing down and big explosions and stuff like right. yeah been there yeah. seen that but i don't know it's if it was pro- intentional if if gk really wanted it like that i don't know but uh. yeah no it, it was a it was a, a cg fest i was just noisy and yeah it was it was it was a little too much for me especially the yeah, way how that, that that creature itself was but designed they had, they had was one like... scene they had this one scene where they had to get this like giant snake creature thing in a teapot and oh yes, yes, yes. That's I thought that scene, scene was terrible. Um, it was. It, it had, was just. Yeah, and it had this one. The characters cringe. wasn't engaged. You were just jumping around. Like you could tell there wasn't. You didn't. At no point you get this, you get any feeling that they in the same room with the with the CG animal. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. See what I mean? And, and it, it didn't this, work. No, just they could have cut that. It was yeah. just boring and didn't work at all. And it had this one cringe, wordy shot of. Although, like, I don't know, maybe it's because I'm not into the Harry Potter universe. I didn't get, you know, this reason why that particular creature was into cockroaches. So I had this one shot where one of the characters grabbed a cockroach and threw it in the air. And it's a slow right, yeah, yeah, shot yeah. of a roach in the air. Right. And they're trying to get into yeah, that teacup. I was like, y'all not serious. Y'all not serious about that. I just supposed to be no, like, yeah, it was, it was holding my breath. It was, and, no, and was... that's dumb. Yeah, the whole sequence was poorly edited as well. I thought uh, that that just didn't work for me. Um, the main plot itself, well, it, the, the B plot and the A plot kind of tie in together quite well. I thought uh, yeah, for the yeah, most it, part, it, it, the main villain, the main villain character, I thought that was alright. I kind of get it. Um, but it, you know, for the most part, it wasn't that engaging. Yeah, I, I, I thought like how how the payoff, especially with that villain, didn't didn't quite work as well as it should. Like I right. understand why it happened, but it's like. Yeah, right. Well, they could have covered yeah, I didn't really, care, didn't really care for the characters. I mean, we knew what was going. To, we knew what was happening, but I didn't really. It didn't pull me in anyway. Um, Colin Farrell and because we well, didn't spend up. time showing the villain. It was just like, yeah, he's there, he's there, he's doing that. Something gonna happen. Right. Something gonna happen. Oh, it happens now. Now what? Now right. we have to then, get, forget about this the, and do this. You know. Right. And then they do the big um reveal at the end there with with who Colin Farrell turns into, which is not going to spoil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You won't spoil. But I kept off, and I was like, oh, he in this? Okay. I, I would say the um, best well, cameo of the year thus far, boy. Oh my gosh, best cameo. Yeah, that's funny. Yes. <laughs> it wasn't I was like, oh, just like, oh, you yeah. in the show too, really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but, um, what, what else? What it should have done to me, I find they could have made it. I, I frankly think they shouldn't have wasted time with that that stupid plot in new york i find it should have been about you know what had to happen in arizona um to me it could have been about that like him just traveling the united states or something like that and you know the whole fantastic beast and where to find them so they're going on a road trip looking for magical creatures that would have been more interesting than this new york plot i don't know good point i couldn't yeah. I, that's to me what it should have been about in my opinion it would have, it would have been more or more like pokemon but still it would have stayed true to the title 
I was more interested in the in the beasts. I wanted to see fantastic beasts and where to find them, and we didn't really see that. We just yeah, yeah, you, you, only, know? you only got moments of it, and the, most of them are like played for like laughs and stuff. Like right. um, this one with the rhino or whatever it was that was in the right. Central Park. That was cool. But other right. than that, it was like this bigger story. So it's not like it could have been like Fantastic Beast and uh, something, something, something. You know, like always Harry no, Potter that, and uh, this. And well, right. well, you know, comparing you know the Harry Potter movies, you know Harry Potter and uh, say Half Blood Prince. You might wonder, right. okay, where the Half Blood Prince coming in? And then when it's revealed, into that, like, oh, that's where it is. Or like Goblet of right. Fire, oh, that's where it is. This one is right. like. You don't know. You're expecting a villain because it's Harry Potter, but it's like when you see it, it but has nothing to do with the title. But that's the problem I had. Instead of doing proper world expansion, they just decided to do more politics and more allegory for. Well, I don't know. The Wizard of the Universe is always allegory for misfits and people who don't fit into society, but it's special, really. Kind yeah, of thing. but what, what would it have been in this era, though? I, I was wondering. No, it, it's kind of interesting, but like we still, we already see all of that with the Harry Potter franchise. I wanted to see something different, and I really wanted to see this guy just run around, probably with a companion, you know, Doctor Who reference, and just, you know, we get to see the animals, we get to see really Doctor Who meets Pokemon, and we get to see that. We get to see him looking for these animals in all these places, instead of just New York now. Yeah. I don't know. I still uh, liked it. Uh, you yeah, going to give it a Um Well, I'll just say this in closing. Um, it does really... Well, you see those things that we kind of mentioned where they had to bring in this subplot about these other characters and, you know, this wizard society and, you know, these right. states and all that. It clearly is setting up for, you know, another movie. And apparently we're supposed to have um, four more coming up. I believe it's right. five movies suspect, in total. Yeah, because you'll get all of that, all that shit I talk about. Yeah, but for what it's worth, though, what I really appreciate about the movie is that it, I like, for me, because I, last time I saw a Harry Potter movie was actually a double bill. I, I actually saw Deathly Hallows Part 1 and 2. Which I love, right. by the way. I, I love the, how yeah. that that um, that you know that series ended, and that was like uh, yeah. four years ago. No, sorry, five years ago actually. So I right. remember little from the original set of movies. But right. with this movie here, I didn't have to remember. Oh, this is what Dumbledore did then, and this is what Malfoy did there. You know, I didn't have to think right. about all that. It was it was and the whole thing. It's kind of it kind of is not relevant largely. Um, no, no, I think the only character who actually comes back is only really Dumbledore. That's pretty much it. Well, they Everyone mention else... him. They mention him really, and I like right. how they do but that. Look, that was real clever. I heard they casting for him as well. Oh, so we gotta get um uh, okay. <laughs> a young right. Dumbledore. That, that, that would be interesting. Well, a young Dumbledore. Okay, I thought he'd be like slightly younger, not you know too young. Well, yeah, I never took. I was never too clear on how old Dumbledore was, you know. Like, I, I, I thought he was like you know you, you know <laughs> deck. Not decades very, very old, well, you know, centuries old or whatever. I, like I say, I'm yeah. not a, a big high, um, Harry Potter fan, so I wouldn't know. But um, right. apart from all that, you know, David Yates, you know, did his thing with this one, and yes, he has directed quite a number of Harry Potter movies. So you know, he he really fits. Either he really belongs with this franchise. I, I thought he did an excellent job with the you know the direction and stuff. I love the music by James Newton yeah. Howard. You know, he he never disappoints, at least to me. Um, the acting for the most part was great. Um, couple of characters, you kind of wish you got more um, backstory to, especially like Colin Farrell's character. You know, like right. like every time he's there, he's there, he does his thing. But I kind of no, wish that, I got a little it, bit more out of him. Now. No, but it had nothing to to get from because it's like when with the big reveal with him, uh, it, it's like oh shit, it's like oh this really probably happened to them. Then all right, cool. Yeah. So he just know the backstory because you know it wasn't kind of relevant by the end there, I suppose. I don't know. Yeah. 
and um and what else and you know Eddie Ra- um Redmayne's character was 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 great as well too. Although there were a few moments where I was like really trying to understand what he was saying, <laughs> not yeah. just because of his accent, but just the way how he delivered the lines because of the character that sort of sheepish, shy kind of introvertedness that he has. You know, it worked, but at the same time, it's kind of like, um, yeah, you, you, you can repeat that, please. You know, um, the other performance was great. We didn't mention Catherine Waterson, who plays, um, you know, Tina. I thought she was great as well, too. You know, um, she played that kind of character where, you know, she wants to be taken seriously, but because she doesn't look like she has the chops to be a wizard, you know, they kind of look down on her. And right. just that comparison between her and her sister, um, Queenie, who I absolutely was smitten by, by the way. You know, yeah, I, I thought that really was a great good. comparison as well. Too. I, li- I like that she had that sort of 20s um, charm to her. You know, yeah. um, you know yeah. the way how she acts is kind of like those characters that you see from those old school, you know, movies, you know, from the 20s. And st- well, based on yeah, the 20s. A, a, a flapper, the flapper look. Yeah, yeah the flapper, right. And of yeah. course, um, we haven't, you know, really mentioned the, the beasts themselves. I thought that for the most part, they were well designed. You know, um, the right. creature design was well done. I really I love thought... the, um, I think it's the Niffler, I believe it's called, that platypus um, right. creature that was, you know, snatching all the jury. That was like my favorite yeah. beast. That was that was my favorite. Uh, but... It was, again, it was decent enough. I thought I thought some of the designs were a bit uninspired because they just look like animals with slight changes. Um, I thought it would have come a little better with some of these ideas. But yeah, yeah it's um, still like, like, like the rhino, for example. The only thing that going for it is right. that it has some glowingness going on in the face right. like just... in the mouth and that's it really well I, here's what here's the thing eh? i got the sense that they try to I don't, I don't know what the direction they decide to go with it but i got the sense that it's just animals like normal but they have a well they, they, they're stepping into magical powers because they do still do magical things for yeah, the most part which, which, which uh, makes sense actually when you think about it right so i, I could accept that to a certain extent and yeah, I, you it know should it, not you almost... a way to over to create some great big creature that nobody ever saw think of before it's unnecessary i don't think so right but and then my science brain started kicking in like well how come how does evolution work with this and how does you know <laughs> biology work here and like uh, uh probably no 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 don't, so, don't even think about that uh, though yeah right all right so, uh, written wise for me i would give this uh light four to five stars it is definitely right. worth checking out especially if you're a diehard um harry potter fan you should right. go and see this but if you're not and you're really curious as to what this show has to offer, you know, by all means, give it a look. You'll have fun with it. It, right. it is dark at times, as you would expect from a Harry Potter movie. A little too dark at times, but other than that, it's one that you could carry the family and, you know, they'll enjoy it. You know, if they don't really understand the B story, at least they will like seeing the creatures on screen. And altogether, it, it, it was a fun, decent movie. So, I don't really have any that much, um, you know, things to complain about. But other than that, you know decent movie so check it out if you get a chance right. i give this a movie tongue just a straight movie tongue uh i really enjoyed it i had fun with it um but it had this issues and uh you know again i'm not a big harry potter fan so i'm not gonna bat for it any big solid way um but yeah to me it was solid business um if you're especially if you're a harry potter fan you'll enjoy it so yeah, yeah. and in closing though i really love the fact that jk rollin was you know not just oh it's based on my book but she was writing that script i, I thought that was that was um a great idea and i hope that she writes well uh, yeah yeah honestly yes yes i hope that she does write the other four screenplays for the next four movies and not you know really give it to the hands of somebody else because i don't think they would do it justice as you know she would you know she brings that credibility and creativity and you know just imagination and i just hope that she stays on board for the others 
And yeah, that's pretty much all I could say about um, yeah. Fantastic right. Beasts. So moving along from the 20s, now we're going to get to the 40s. Ah, yes, the good old 40s. With yeah. Allied. Yeah. Yeah. Directed by Robert Zemeckis. Um, last right. movie I believe he did was Flight, which almost made it to my top 10. Um, I believe it was 2014. Flight? Yeah, Flight. He, he did flight. that. Yeah. No, but that was his last movie. I believe it was. Well, the last he movie I saw from him. Um, shit, he didn't do oh, the one with, with he did, Twin Towers. Right. With he, the, he did the walk, which I did not see. You saw it. Oh, you we you, yeah, you reviewed it, yeah. But I haven't seen that, so that's how I that's how I ended up forgetting it. And okay. of course, you know, he also made some excellent movies, such as you know, Paul Express, um, Forrest Gump, of course, Back to mm-hmm. the Future, the trilogy. Yep. Although, yeah. in my honest opinion, one and two will always be the best. Third one was, eh, but <laughs> right. the trilogy was great, all the same. And you know, a movie that we kind of made comparison to last time with um, Arrival, Contact. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And in this one, believe it or not, there's no Tom Hanks. Uh-uh. He's not in this one and no Denzel Washington. Instead, right. we have Brad Pitt. Right. Yes, who's going I... back into World War II again for the third yeah. time in a row in his, in his career, actually. Right. So... His last two being Inglourious Bastards and Fury. Right. I actually really like this movie. Okay. I had a lot of fun with this movie. It was... Oh, you had a lot of fun. Was, <laughs> You know, this felt like this movie felt like a really awesome Casablanca fan fiction. I love, I love how like. you put that together, Casablanca fan fiction. Okay, yeah, a lot of people that's make what a comparison to compare um to uh right to it, Casablanca, it, but fan fiction, dude. That's that's where you you hit the nail on the head right there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, uh, it also had a, a, a lot of um. Hitchcockian, everybody say Hitchcockian, yeah. Yeah, so yeah like when I was watching, I was thinking, of course, um, Notorious, 1946, um, you know, classic Alfred Hitchcock movie with Clark, um, sorry, Cary Grant, I almost say Clark Gable, Cary Grant and um, Ingmar, Ingrid Bergman, sorry. Um, right. And, you know, and this is one thing I just want to mention too, because, uh, well, I want you to actually kind of run know what the show is about, but um, just that word, that, that category of thriller. Now, if you compare, you know, um, like movies like Psycho and, you know, uh, what's the other show? Um, the Birds and North by Northwest. Those shows are like the, the Hollywood version of like what um, Hitchcock was doing with movies like, um, you know, Foreign Correspondents, which came out in the 40s as well too, and um, Notorious. You know, it's a different type of thriller. You know, it has thriller elements where, you know, it's like, oh, is this character going to get caught? Is this person to be trusted, that kind of thing. It's more right. like that. It's more like, you know, is he or is she trustworthy or not? Or, you know, who's getting closer? It's not like some kind of lavish action sequence or anything like that. I know a lot of people going and are going to see the word thriller, um, you know, apply to this movie here, Allied, and then they're going to be like, well, where are the trills? You know, it's but it's a different type of thriller. It's more along the line of the, like, like you know, those two shows that we mentioned before, Casablanca and Notorious. It's right. 40s kind of thriller. It has that 40s style kind of thriller element to it. Yeah. yeah. I, and, you know, a lot of people what, have to go in knowing that or else they're going to be very disappointed by this. Yeah, I I just wanted it to work. I just liked it working from the, the standpoint of just characters learning and figuring out each other, trying to outsmart each other. Um, it I, To me, the, the script just worked in that way. And it really felt like a, a, like a, a, a 40s script. Yeah, it did, it did. 
And, and, and like credit I... to, to Robert Zemeckis and his team for, you know, really going out of the way to make this feel as authentic as it could. But I'll talk yeah. about that later. But continue. It it does it does um you know panda a bit to, to film nudes like me a little bit um but and me. it totally <laughs> was that and me too come on <laughs> yeah yeah and it, it it does um I thought it worked in that sense um but the thing is why why I thought it, it really worked is that it was a good love story um that's actually I wasn't going in for that because I thought it'd just be this and just be that and then when they do the big reveal which they kind of sell out to the trailer. Um, kind of salty trailer, but uh, when that big reveal came, I was like, "Oh, that's really awesome!" Because it wasn't really so much the, the reveal itself, but how it played out. Now it's not so much we. I kind of kind of saw that coming, that first part of what, what was the big reveal. But then when they explained how it worked out and how it was even possible for that to happen, then I was like, "Oh, great! That was that was what where the engagement and and the story worked, and the characterization worked." Brad, Brad Pitt was pretty damn good in this. Yes, um, has yes, his yes, character. Um, and Mario, then um, Mario yeah. Yeah, she was fantastic yeah, as well. Yeah, she was. She well, even though I like Brad Pitt in this, and clearly he's trying to go with a um, oh gosh, his name slipping away right now. Um, Casablanca star himself. Crap. Uh, Humphrey Bogart. Right, Humphrey Bogart. Yeah, he, he clearly yeah. was trying to channel Humphrey Bogart in this movie. You, um, you find so because you know Humphrey Bogart in that movie was more more cynical. He was more like you know. Of all the Jim Joyce and all the will, he's like, well, you know the the premise of of the movie already, where right, I, you know no, he fall over this woman and like you know face. I don't want to trust nobody, that kind of way. Every man but, for himself. That was that was yes, the face, the face. Just it's not the character. It's not the characters written. Just as Brad Pitt as acting, his oh, face oh, okay, was okay. dour and he tried to get kind of straightforward dour face. That kind of to me was looking like Humphrey Bogart at times. Um, yeah, yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, she and here's the thing: he was good at this, and she acted circles around him. Of course, of course. <laughs> you get the feeling. You get the feeling that not only the her character is smarter than him, but you see how her character is more like both off screen and on screen. The her, she was smarter than him the entire time, and I, I thought that worked quite well. Yeah. Um, and I'll say this one time: um, if if the Academy is looking for a reason to nominate Allied Best Actress for her, she has to get she, a nomination yeah, for this one. She killed it. If any. Um, and then the thing is, it remind me of the film. Remind me of you know what I call the the, the two part of film, which is you do one part, and then you do a second part, and it's like oh you think the movie could end easily end here or stop right there, and then oh it'll have just a quick ending. No, that's where the movie starts. So they do decide they have a good opening, long opening sequence until they have to do this mission. They complete the mission, and then that's where the movie starts. Similar to say Gone Girl or how Room was right, where you know it had a first part. Movie could have easily ended there. Uh, you know, a lesser filmmaker would have said, all right, we could just end it here with this bullshit and then move on. And nope, they just do a second part of it with the second part of the narrative and that's why it get, get engaging. And they do a good job with the narrative. Yeah. I only um, had one problem with plot. Um, well, well, well before you... you get into plot, though, you, you just want to kind of run down for me um, what the what the story was about, just briefly. All right. So, uh, Brad Pitt's character, I'm uh, forgetting names right now. Um, Bradford Carter is a he get he, he's a Canadian spy. Yeah, his name is right? Max Fatan actually. Max Fatan. Right. right, and he go, he goes into which is kind of cool that they decided to do a Canadian spy instead of American spy, but it make it make more sense because Canada is part of the British Commonwealth, or at least still then. I don't know if they still are. They probably still are. Yeah, and, and then he could have a reason for him to talk French, which he had to do. 
Um, and he did it right. quite well, actually. Right. They all that whole thing. Like, she kept making a joke about him being from Quebec. Uh, even though he's not. Yeah. And they did... Uh, so they, he has to go and do a mission and meet up with another spy. But he couldn't get clear information about her, about yeah. the earlier mission. Right. Um, so and they, oh, yes, and her name is uh, Marianne, by the way. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, right. And they were hiding out. They had to do a, a mission in... Um, in Paris, sorry, yeah. not in Paris, in, in Morocco, and they saw the, they did the mission, and then they leave. Mission done, life, they, they decide to life go on, and then it's, it, well, then there's a big reveal about her. Don't want to sell it out, because that's like the movie, even though the trailer sells it out, I don't want to say what it is, because I want your brain to forget. Yeah, yeah. It, because the movie totally works if you're going blind. Yeah, it does. But you have to mention too that yes, they, they do start this romance. And I'll just mention yeah. this quick. This movie has probably one of the most memorable sex scenes you'll ever see for this year. Yeah. <laughs> Basically Brad Sad Pitt form. Brad Brad Pitt and, and Marianne Cotillard inside of this car during a sandstorm in the middle of the desert. Right. Just stick like it's Titanic, really well but done. just really <laughs> I don't want to say over the top, but just yeah. like, oh my god, you just glossing the scene over by oh my god. But it works. Yeah. So it and works I, I, in relation I, I to what's going on. In my head, I was like, you know, you know, you just always forget like how set, how you had a set up, how to shoot in a car. So I was like, hey, where exactly the camera is? Like, oh, oh, okay, cool. And you're not sure where they was doing that. I'm like, yeah. oh, great. And at the time, I was asking, hey, where's the camera exactly? How are they doing this? Because I thought this, I thought that was pretty well shot. That's quite competent. Again, Robert yeah. Zemeckis is a very competent speaker. <laughs> Yeah, that, um, and that's another thing about him, and I, I even noticed it even with the, the opening shot of it, which was fantastic, by the way, how he manages yeah. to utilize CG into, you know, natural-looking shots. So I wonder yeah. what the opening shot is, but it kind of shows that it looks that kind of way. It looks like, oh, is this real or is this CG? But it's so incredibly yeah. done, it's like, oh, you kind of buy into it. And <laughs> yeah. CG could be applied for that um, scene with the car that I just mentioned. And also... Right. What probably the best uh, um, birthing scene you could say, pretty much, yeah, um, delivery scene <laughs> I've seen in a long while. Though. Yeah, 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 yeah. Where she gives birth during during yeah. this this raid, I basically. Right. I'll say, as I say, I had one big issue. I had a slight issue. The plot is mostly a character issue, and that that's part of it. Eh? And I even I really enjoyed this movie. That part of the plot just still didn't really work or make much sense to me. Um, but I suppose I could I, I could light slide because everything else in this movie was so good in my opinion. Um, there's this great scene with with um, Brad Pitt's character having to shuffle a deck of cards. I love that scene. Oh yes, 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 yes. That was that was great. Yeah, because it's, it's such a light, it's such a classic kind of psycho scene because it totally reminds me of the, the accent scene in um in Glorious Bastards. Bastards. Yeah, yeah. Same kind of you know Germans having to suss out you know suss out spies or suss out traitors or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um. So I, I love that, and yeah, I the the big well when the second uh, like second big big part of the story, um, that's when the story really picks up, and then the ending is really really tragic and really well done. I really like this movie. I thought it was quite well shot, good characterization. I had one little issue with the plot, well mostly to do with her character and what you know the motivations of said character. Um, but yeah, for the most part, I I really really enjoyed this. It's, it's I won't go as far as saying any kind of best of the year or anything like that, but I just thought this was really really good too. Alright, well, what I would say about this before um, we get to our ratings, I um, I enjoyed the film. I, I appreciated what they were trying to do. I did not expect that they were going to go, they were going to try the 40s romance war thriller 
um, you know, aesthetic, but, you know, I, I really appreciate what Zemeckis and his team did, uh, did for that. The acting as well, too, you know, really tried to personify that as well, too. So, um, you know, much props to, to Brad Pitt and, of course, Marion, who kills it. I really hope that she gets nominated for this one. I'm not sure if she's going to win. Who knows? But I thought that she was fantastic at this one. Um, the rest of the cast were yeah, great no, as well, I, too. I, although they were... I, don't, I don't think it's... Yeah, the rest yeah, of the cast. She'll get, she'll get a nomination. Yeah, uh, the rest of the cast was fine too. Although they weren't really that much standout characters apart from those two, and you know you could kind of understand right. that because it's about them. A uh, couple of issues though, just with the narrative itself, the piece, and I thought it was a little slow. And you know you could easy, right. and this is like the main issue with it with me, um, for me, is that you could kind of argue, oh well. It's trying to be old school, and this is how these old school thrillers are. These films are, you know, they have these moments, you know, downtime and dialogue and stuff. But there are a few moments, like there's one scene where Brad Pitt is, um, you know, about to meet his superiors when he finds out that big, you know, reveal that we won't say, we would reveal here. Um, and you see the shot of him walking down this long flight of stairs, this you know, winding right. flight of stairs, like. Yeah, just cut I that scene. Get to the next thing. <laughs> you see, walking down the hallway. Okay, cut the next scene. It just moves no, at I a cut, slow pace. I cut the hallway. I cut the hallway, but not the fighter stairs. I thought that was a good shot. Like, I, I get what they they're trying I... to do there, but it's like, um, yeah, can I pick up, please? Come on, come on, come on. Let, let, let me get to the reveal here. Let's let's get to that. And I, Yeah, right, and, okay. I, I, and peace. Well, okay, leading up to the reveal was, was interesting as well, too. Um, Yo, the chemistry between Brad and Marion was, was excellent as well, too. Yeah. <laughs> Almost, you know, art imitated life, but, you know, that's that's a whole other story. But, um, you know, I, I thought that they were excellent on screen. Just the pacing, I find, was a little issue. There were moments that kind of dragged, you know, you know, dragged a lot for me. And, right. you know, there were, there were points where I was like, okay, this is kind of playing out like a little conventional kind of thriller, like how I mentioned with um, Notorious. Is she going to get caught? Is he going to be found out or whatever? Okay. I, I, and then I was thinking to myself, oh, okay, it's, I see what they're going to do here. All right, are they going to end it like this? Are they going to, you know, is it going to be happy ever after? And then the end just came and hit me. I was like, wow. I'm so glad yeah. I did that. You know, it, it was it was, it was, was crushing, like soul crushing. But I was like, I am so glad I didn't do that. I am so glad I didn't cop out for the, for the happy ending. That ending that they did right. for Allied worked so perfectly. Although, like, the yeah. last couple of moments were, you know, had a little cheesiness with, you know, kind of melodramatic nature of it. But other than that, though, that ending is what redeemed the whole movie for me. So, right. <laughs> overall, though, I, I enjoyed it. Not as much as I wanted to, unfortunately. But I do appreciate the, the craft and the art and the, you know, the, the effort that went into making this thing really feel like a legit old school, yeah, yeah, it was, I, I just, warm, you know, tr- I enjoyed how well polished it was. Yeah, I I really wish that you know if if the pacing was a little tighter, the narrative was a little tighter as well too. It could have been better. I could have put this as a top ten, but you know for for now I would you know written wise I would give this a strong three and a half to a light four. You know it is worth checking out, but you have to go right. in knowing that this is not going to be this full blown romantic movie. This is not going to be this full blown war movie or a thriller. It's you know, this amalgamation of all three of these um, genres, 
and you know going in if if you if you're going knowing that and you know it's going to be just like those old school movies and you're going to enjoy this movie but if you really couldn't care less for casablanca and i don't know why because it's like a classic come on or you don't care for like notorious if if, if you're still a fan of you know brad pitt and marion cotillard then you'll enjoy this movie for sure so ricardo what, what's right. your rating for this one Right, I give this a low IMAX. I actually really enjoyed this movie. Uh, solid business. I just had a couple. Just that plot issue I had with it, it just, that was just bothering the hell out of me. But it's not like a big, big problem. And yeah, again, it wasn't like so super engaging as RL, think RL was loving it or loving it, loving it. But I just really appreciated a just solid, competent filmmaking we get. Um, yeah, yeah. Solid damn film. You know, and, pretty and good. Because, it's not because of, of Zemeckis. Zemeckis is who really holds this film together though and he did a great job man yeah yeah it's yeah it's well directed well acted and just across the board it's a pretty damn fun film yeah. well done they make the acts work and they make the characters work and yeah. it's pretty damn good yeah man so, and, and like i say once again props to brad pitt you know yeah. it's really straying away from the from the pretty boy you know <laughs> um label that you know he, he he had to hold on to for the longest while but yo right. i was i was really wondering if this was if this would have been the show that you would have get that that Oscar nomination and I don't really yeah. see it for this one, unfortunately. Nah, not, yeah, shame though. I, I really would have liked him to be nominated at least. Yeah, I think he was nominated before. I believe it was for um for Twelve Monkeys. Way well, okay. back when, yeah. Which right, oh yeah, and that is the arguably one of my favorite. The problem is that with, the, the only problem is that you can't if she did try to if they, like with respect to Oscar and the usual shenanigans you have to use to engage in um to get the awards. Unless, well, I can't see any other. I'm not sure what what other big female roles have this this year, and it's quite possible she could get for best lead. But it probably is it, it, like if I were to make the better gamble, I'd go for best supporting. But she is a lead, so you can't get around that now. Exactly. But yeah. usually, what people will do is yeah, they'll overshoot the role just to get the Oscar now. Yeah, yeah. I kind of would be surprised best... if, if if Amy Adams gets nominated because of. Well, I haven't. We haven't seen Nocturnal Animals, and unfortunately, we're, gonna, we're not going to get down here this year. Cause we suck, right? But I have a feeling right. that she but might get she nominated get for, for that or right for thing. For right, uh, either that no, or right. Um, for the space, the space aliens, no? The yeah, arrival. Movie. Like I said, yeah. Arrival, I have a feeling yeah. she could get an um a nomination for that or nocturnal. I just have a feeling she'll be there. That that that's my point. That she will get uh, a nomination um next year. But who knows? We'll see. action now we're gonna get into animation ah, boy. and 
I really wanted to start off with the better movie, but you know, I'm a critic and pan in crime and sister to start off with the terrible movie first and then you know, well, have I, the... actually, frankly, since I should even talk about it, but whatever, yeah. So, like I mentioned yeah. at the beginning of this um recording here, December is the time where I tend to catch up on movies that I missed out, you know, either I didn't have the time to see it or I just heard bad things about it. And I would not have wasted a single cent on it. So, you know me, just rocking back, just wait till it comes out online so I can watch it. And just be so grateful that I didn't spend hard and cent on it. Of course, I'm talking about Norm of the North. Okay. Bad um, rubbish. Yes. With our, our, our favorite um, Z-list comedian, legendary, of course, Rob Schneider as yeah. Norm. He is this... Um, not a polar bear, actually, but he is this uh, bear. Sorry, he is a polar bear, my bad. Oops. Ugh, yeah. Um, the son of the king of the Arctic. And what happened is that that particular king of the Arctic, um, I believe is Bill Nighy, who plays um, that okay. character. Yes, they, they got some, some big actors for this. Sorry, I made a mistake. Actually, Bill Nighy plays um, Socrates, who is this bird... This kind of wise old bird who kind of guides, um, you know, Norm in his mission. But anyway, this is me trying to make this movie sound, you know, bigger and better than it actually is. So the story in a nutshell is that Norm is living in the Arctic and he can speak English. But everyone in the in the environment that they're in speak perfect English. Yet when they come across humans and the humans talk to them, he is the one, the, the lone character who talks back to them, and they are like, oh, "He speaks English. How is that possible?" Ah! So they never explain how he he's able to do that, even though we hear these these animals talk English. But anyway, so <laughs> there is this one particular guy. He's this um, land developer. Um, his name is Mister Green, played by Ken Jeong of all people. And okay. his grand scheme is that he wants to build houses in the attic. I want you to process okay. that for a minute. He wants to build houses in the attic. And the funny thing okay. is, we, we know the attic and, you know, the, the, the winds and, you know, the, 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 the you know, how, you know, we, we know how bad weather-wise it is in the attic. But in this movie, you don't see no snowstorms, you don't see no heavy, you know, breeze or whatever, or, you know, snow you don't see that you're just seeing ice that's all you're just seeing ice and anybody could just stroll through just come by boat walk along everything is all fine and dandy there's nothing wrong there's no danger whatever right so okay. norm so norm observes this guy who just builds this house this really crappy looking house if you could call it that and he says you know what can't have this guy coming into our home and doing this shit i have to go and let the world know that what this guy is doing is wrong. So, along with three Arctic lemmings, well, that's the movie equivalent of um, of you know the the the, the famous minions from the Despicable Me series. Right. Who I was never fans of. I was never a huge fan of, to be honest, because I mean I get yeah, the sort of pop culture jokes and references that they make, but it's just like, yeah, uh, maybe for like a minute long sketch, I would have laughed and really enjoy them. But not for a movie. And no, I haven't seen Minions and I don't want to. So, moving on. Norman, these, these three lemmings basically just head down to, to New York. They're running to this um, lady. Her name is Vera, played by Hedda Graham. When last time you ever heard of her? 
who just so really? happens to be working for um for Green. And he joins as a norm joins Mr. Green's campaign and the gimmick is that this is a polar bear that can twerk. Yes, I'm not gonna say how it what? happens, but Norm I'll I'll just reveal it. So this one chick had like a iPod and whatever, it just fell right while she's talking to him. So he just took it and started listening to music and it's like this real like really shitty EDM music. So he's like real dancing to it and stuff. So some humans see it and take pictures about it. It's like, oh look at this polar bear who's like twerking and shaking his ass. Oh now now in New York, so Mr. Green is trying to get like these approval ratings now because he wants to get, you know, this project on the ground. You know, he has this these group of businessmen who you know, not really, who are skeptical about this whole plan about, um, you know, building houses in the Arctic because it's building houses in the Arctic. So he uses Norm basically as this kind of like a, a not a guinea pig, but just like this mascot basically for the company. And just all these right. different shenanigans that I won't get into because the more I talk about it, the more it sounds like the story is trying to make sense, but. See, this is the first problem with the movie is that it has this really convoluted plot that makes no sense. Right off the bat, a man is trying to build houses in the Arctic just because. Makes no sense. Right. And then you're pitching this whole movie as this is for kids. So all this talk about real estate and building houses, that's just going to fly past their heads. Because all they just want to see is just cute characters, cute animated characters on screen you know, talking and cracking jokes and just doing their thing. You know, like like Despicable Me, for example, like I mentioned. Like the Minions, for example. But here's the problem. The animation yeah. from start to end sucks. There is little to no detail in anything. From the from the backgrounds, from you know, from the article that was that I was describing, you don't get a sense of, yeah, this is believable. I could really believe that this is like the attic. You know, like, I could say what I want about the Despicable Me movies, you know, comparing them to, like, Pixar. But even their movies put detail into, like, the backgrounds and stuff. And, of course, we, we can't even talk about Pixar because, you know, they put a lot of effort into that. But this movie, it just really looks and feels like this is like a, a, a TV show. And from what I've heard, yeah. is, this was supposed to be, like, a direct-to-DVD movie, a direct-to-video. But this one is, like, a direct-to-TV movie that I'm watching here. It really does feel like some some Nickelodeon TV show I'm watching here. That's because of how, you know, slapped up these 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 um visuals look like you know you are kinda of rushing this thing to be put out every single week. So it doesn't look like they put a lot of time into it. But you're telling me that for like what, um eighty eight minutes I am just watching this really crappy animation in the form of a movie. I'm supposed to buy into this. And even right down to the characters themselves, like Nearly every polar bear looks the same. And it's this kind of blocky kind of design that they do. So yes, there's no detail into the fur. Like even when they're running, the fur doesn't even move or anything like that. It just stays still. And speaking of trying to like trying to figure out who is who in terms of the polar bears, right? You have this female car, this female bear that's supposed to be Norm's love interest. But unfortunately, you only see her like in three scenes throughout the whole, throughout the whole show. You want to know how this movie distinguishes her as being female? She has well, big eyes. Like yeah, she has big wide eyes and eyelashes. And That's it. Okay, yeah. That's the closest to characterization right. they give her. Everybody else looks the same. They still have the, the, the green eyes and they still have the build and all that stuff. 
but you wouldn't know that it was a female there if you didn't hear her talk. And you do hear her talk. But like I said, she's only there for like, what, three, four times in the movie? And that's it. But let's talk about Rob Schneider. Um, uh, he does... I wouldn't say he was terrible in the show. But, you know, because he holds script as bad, they can't really expect him to work miracles with this one. So it's kind of like he just said the lines, he just did it the way he was supposed to. But because the script was just so incoherent and bad... You know, you can't really blame him for it. It's just that the script was terrible. And, you know, the voice acting... You know, the voice actors just tried to do as much as they could with the characters. But because the characters were so thin and one-dimensional, there's really so much you could do. And just one one slight little nitpick with the show as well, too. Just a little minor little thing before I get to my rating. Now, you know, sometimes with, with, with animated films, right? Especially when you're doing female characters... You know, some animators tend to exaggerate the features of the of the female anatomy, right? So you know, you always tend to have um, fem- female characters with wide hips. So imagine right. nearly all of the women in this show just like that, with like incredibly wide hips, big asses, and stuff like that. So <laughs> I don't want to go out of a way to say that oh, the creators were like sexist and oh, this is this is how the female, you know figure looks like and all that but oh gosh man you tell me every single female character in this movie sorry every adult female character in this movie has to look has to have wide hips i don't know it just kind of took my out of it like really you have all of them looking like so unnatural like that like really come on and all of them like basically white you know so you have this one black female character you could kind of understand because you know duh but oh gosh every other adult female character in this show have to be like that i mean come on but that's just a minor nitpick but overall because i'm just getting tired talking about this show yeah this is hands down the worst animated film i have seen this year and you hear me chuckling right now but dude watching the show i didn't laugh once i didn't smile once i didn't chuckle once when i saw the lemmings i just wanted to pull a gun to my head and shoot, uh, you know pull the trigger these lemmings are annoying you have a scene where they're just standing over. Um, they, they're actually standing on like the the, the edge of like a, a fish tank, and pissing inside of the fish tank, and they're like fishes yeah. inside this this tank, and they're just like pissing for like about forty five seconds of them just doing that. Why? I don't know. Nothing in this movie works. The animation sucks. The music was just so, you know, slapped on. It just didn't make any sense. It was just there to you know, try to sound edgy and, you know, modern, you know, a kind of pop kind of thing. It just didn't work. When they tried to go for emotional moments, it didn't work at all. Like, yes, this is um, subplot where Norm is trying to find his father, who, you know, the king of the Arctic that I mentioned before. And it, they try to make it so emotional. Like, yes, they have to get back home. And is he going to die? And no, he, he, he he's alive. Come on, it's obvious. And... Yo, I can't really say anything else because I'm just like, you know, I'm just going crazy just thinking of the, about this. So yeah, 0 out of 5, one of the worst movies of this year, hands wow. down. This is going to be wow. my top 5 right now. This was an absolute waste right. of time, but I knew that going in. That's the thing. But I just wanted to see how bad it was. But yo, this was incompetent from start to end. It just did not put any effort into the story, into the animation, into the characters. Right. Nothing worked. 
So yeah, skip this at all costs. Don't watch it. Unless you're like me and you're a sucker for pain and you just like to watch bad shows so you can go and tell your friends, hey, don't watch this movie because it's, it's terrible. I think that's the only reason why I would recommend that anybody watch this show. Or better yet, why anybody would spend $10 um, and buy this movie on Amazon. Just to see how bad this movie is and just to tell people, yes, don't watch this movie ever. Do not watch this movie. So yeah, top five, definitely my top five worst stuff of the year. That's all I have to say about Norm of the North. Alright. Yeah, yeah, so I... palate cleanser time. Or if you have anything else to say about it or why you skipped it in yeah, the first got... place. Once I, once, I hear, once I hear Rob Snyder, I was like, yeah, he's the, he's the, he's the kiss of death. So I was like, I stay away from that project. I didn't expect him to do anything interesting at all. It's a colossal waste of time, so whatever. Yeah, and last, last, last thing I just want to mention, as, we, as we're talking about Rob Schneider, Lionsgate was behind this movie. I still don't understand. Yeah. If this was yeah, Amazon, sorry, if, not Amazon, if this, was, if this was Netflix, I don't understand, you know, because of what I said before with the do-over and, you know, that true memoirs thing that I uh, reviewed before with Kevin Smith and, right. you know, I would understand it like that. But Lionsgate, though, and a theatrical release. Right. Nah, man. Nah. Forget this one. Forget. <sighs> yeah, rubbish. Yeah, palate cleanser time now. We're going to talk about right. Moana. So while I catch yes. my breath and try to remove all facets of normally not out of my head, because it, 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 I'll, I'll leave it to you to kind of start off on Moana, you know, what he thought about it, what he right. premises was about, and then I will, I will jump it. Right, so I really like Moana. Uh, Me too. This was, yeah. So basically, it was based on Hawaiian slash Polynesian folklore. Right. Um, something along the lines. So this character, character played by Rock, a uh, character called Maui, yes. uh, decides to steal, steal some. I forget what it was. The heart of life. I forget exactly what yeah, the, um, it was. It was a, uh, it was a goddess, an island goddess called, sorry, goddess called uh, Fiti, and it was a right. little heart in particular. So he wanted right. a heart that he could use to create life. So he, you know, once right. he has this in uh, his possession, he so could this, right. do so whatever this he wants. This Maori character is kind of like this Maori character is kind of like the Greek version of he's kind of like um, Prometheus, if anything. Um, yes, 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 like that. Good comparison like that. there, by the way, because I was getting that sort of yeah, that's god cool. vibe. I was trying to remember which god it exactly was, which character. Right. And then so and then they, he causes basically causes like. This um kind of like a kind of somewhat a, a kind of curse and kind of cancer to start spreading along the world, and Moana now has to she becomes the kind of the, the, the chief in in charge of her village, and she has to go solve the problem. That's yeah. the basically the impetus of it. She has to find Maui and go back and return the heart to the to the uh to, to the, the goddess to the same and figure goddess, out yeah. the island goddess, right? Yeah, that's the story. So, and and so kind of like plot. what happened is that they do meet up and they are on this um this. Is it a is a raft? Is a is it no? A they raft? meet up on an island. Yeah, they, right, they meet up on an island, island but they spend like the second half of it on the on this boat, or I would say it's a raft, basically, or whatever. Yeah, and it's just that right. you know relationship between the two, how they because at first, of course, they don't really get along, you know, because uh, Maui is so self centered and so I won't say stuck up, but he's you know he he's, he, he thinks that you know <laughs> the world revolves around him basically. And yeah, he's a selfish dude. Yeah, he is, he is. And Moana is like just focused on getting the job done. You know, she, you know, wants to, you know, save her her, her village on an island, you know. And right. is that kind of back and forth that really adds a lot of depth into this movie? 
Yeah. Um, but but thoughts on the on the movie? What, what do you think about it? Yeah. So I really really like this movie. I thought um, almost everything across the board was quite good. Um. Uh, music awesome. Yes. Yes. Um, yes. Yes. Love songs, songs. All the songs. Love them. Oscar Woody. Uh, yes. Especially rock. Rock song, um, oh, mommy song, but I love that song. That's yeah, yeah. nice. Excellent song. Yeah. Um, this this animation, great. Um, of course. The only problem with this, we we could we could get into all of that, but I'll talk about that a little later. But basically, it was just generally well done across the board for me. Um, but I'll say yeah, to just address the only big issue, and it's a kind of a big problem. Um, some issues in the plot it had a big gaping hole in the plot that they didn't really address. Well, I say they did address it, but they lampshaded it in the laziest way. Um, and that's the ocean. The magic ocean didn't make sense. Oh, um, yeah. Think about right. it. You know, I, this, I just that, kind that of was, that, oh, this is just Disney magic and stuff. But they never really... I, I, yeah, I see what you mean. They never really explained that that much. Right. And the problem is that they, um, they lampshaded it. Because the, the character Maui mentions it. It's like, well, how come the ocean don't help us out? But yeah, they could have uh, done that a little better and make make a better job with that. Um, yeah. But but they do because kind of I was like, wait, what was really you? doing it or who was really doing it? But they never really stated. But I it's, think, it's kind of like yeah, implied. It's kind of like, well, you don't know. Okay. You can't really say for sure. But I think if the ocean was helping them out in this way, why couldn't help out in the main story? I didn't really get that. Like to me, if it was up to me, the ocean would just like take the stone, splash the lava monster, and then put it back in the heart, and that's the answer, right? Um. They don't really explain why the ocean didn't do this. Or even if you're saying, uh, well, you needed humans to fix the, to get back the heart of the, to the goddess. Then why the ocean didn't help out in, like, getting rid of the little coconut creatures and their boat, for example. Yeah. Or help them, or, like, raise them up, raise up the, the, the tide so it, they could go and climb up the hill a little better, or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but it just always seems that if a character falls off the boat, that's when you see yeah, this, ocean, uh, ocean, that's when the ocean comes and does the thing. And the guy, the guy through the, um, the truly the rock away and the ocean fling it right back in his face. I was like, all right, well then the ocean could like solve all the problems now. Now here's the thing: if it was up to me to change the script, what I, what I would have done because this another thing in the script felt a little clumsy as well. What I would have done is the ocean was basically like the magic carpet character from Aladdin. That's basically what the analogy was. Right. I thought it was basically that. And what I would have done is get rid of the magic ocean entirely, and then what I would have done is have the grandmother die, and then. Spoiler alert. Um, have her... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, oh, oh, do see it coming and, anyway, so whatever. Right. And and then I would have her reincarnate as a as a manta ray. So the manta ray was rescuing her off the boat. So every time she fall off the boat, manta ray yeah. help out. I yeah, and, and the thing but is, then, well, good point because I kinda was thinking it was like that now, but then when I realized it was the whole destiny of Moana to do her thing, that's what I say, oh, that's why the, the water's doing its thing, you know? But, but that's stupid because to come and save should, the day. They, should, they didn't explain at all like why the ocean didn't solve all the. It had a bunch of problems the ocean could have solved. That was the like, main issue in the plot for me. And again, either just have the ocean not be a sentient magic ocean, just have it be a normal ocean, have the have Moana gain a lot of trouble with with sailing away, have but kill the grandmother first, then the 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 um grandmother reincarnates as a mandatory, help her out. So, but and then the mantra stays out until until the end, and, and then they do the big reveal where the mantra is the grandmother. Because remember, she say she want to reincarnate as a as a mantra. Yes. And yes. that's what I do with that. 
So it solved it solved two problems, which is not the super magic ocean, and then you get your your magic carpet allegory, no? Because it would be a mandatory swimming about which it would operate like a magic carpet anyway in the water. Yeah. Um. Uh, well, so I would say it, only... it, it made for a few funny laugh out loud moments, but other than that, though, I see what you mean. No, it but yeah. That's the thing. The ocean, the ocean was like not necessary at all, no. The ocean was day, and the ocean could have solved so much problem. And I say like because of that ocean, Moana and, and Maui were a lot that felt largely unnecessary in my opinion. It was never clear. Why does that the ocean couldn't have just solve the problems of the of the monster to solve the big problem, right? Just go splash splash the monster for uh, two seconds and then throw throw the heart in. That's it. But that would have been too well, easy, man. Come on. <laughs> that's what I'm trying to say. That's what I'm trying to say is that it 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 was it could have easily solve the problem. That's what I was saying. If you wanted to solve the problem from a plot standpoint, get rid of the ocean. Period. The ocean didn't need to be there. Um. Anyway. It had a great scene with Jermaine um, from Flight of the Concords. He played the giant crab. Oh, yes, yes, yes. That was what, that was one of my favorite favorite characters. That, that, that song in particular was, was so great. Um, yeah, it had a kind of... Yeah, it had a sort of show tune kind of vibe. So he's kind of singing everything he's going to do. But that's how the... <laughs> it was just yeah, like that so stuck up kind of vibe. No, I love that. That was cool. Yeah, but it sounded like David Bowie in my opinion. Yeah, yeah a, then, a lot of uh, people made that comparison, yeah. And this right, and then sort the, of the, the rock music... way how it's sung has that right. David Bowie kind of style to it. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it, all the art and the animation was great. The chicken was pretty funny. Oh yeah, um, yeah that really dumb chicken, probably. Yeah. Intentionally dumb, of course, uh, but it had some. It I, made some I, I, great I moments. I actually really like this. I want. Yeah, I actually really like this. This continues the Disney Renaissance. Um, they do a good job with the material. Um, and I just really, really enjoyed this. I, I had a lot of fun with this. That big gaping plot problem that just bothered the hell out of me. And I, I would have just fixed that, just fixed that problem because it was like a serious oversight on the writer's part. Because the mere fact the writers addressed it as a lampshading meant that they knew what they knew that they fucked up there. Um, but that's about it. I, yeah. I just really enjoyed this one. Um, it, it does continue Disney runs. Is it better than Frozen? I can't say that. Um, definitely not better than Tangled, which is still my favorite of the Disney Renaissance. And actually, the, the funniest of, of the three, though, in my opinion. Yeah, it was pretty good. It was pretty well done. Um, but it's yeah. still really good. Good action. Really well. Good act. Uh, main character was quite good. I thought she was great. Um, rock character was pretty good. He had a good and he had a surprisingly good singing voice as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. That that your welcome song. I, I, uh, wow. Was that? No, I say that your welcome song that he that he does is like holy shit, yeah, dude. That, that was Dwayne Johnson, do your thing, bro. Do your thing. <laughs> Yeah, and it was yeah. damn catchy. And then that animation sequence they had at the coming on to the end where they had this kind of weird 3D Sesame Street looking kind of stop motion-y kind of something going on there. Oh, that yeah, was great. yeah, yeah. That, Love- was, that was great, yeah. Um, well, we'll give you a rating uh, and then I'll just share my thoughts and jump to my, right, my rating. Right, I, I will give this an IMAX. Um, I Yay! thought it was solid business for me. Even, even though the plot the plot was kind of in a mess, uh, that plot they could have just fixed that one little big that big problem. Only part I won't have mind. That's the only thing I bother the hell out of me. But the good totally outweighed the bad for this movie for me. And I had a lot of fun with this. All right. Well, for me, the plot did not bother me because I was having so much fun with this. Um, what I love though, well, once again with the Disney um, Renaissance, this was another female character that you know wasn't looking for a man or it wasn't a destiny to fall in love with this guy and all that kind of stuff that we've seen in the 90s with you know beauty and the beasts and aladdin and all those which are still great movies you know but oh gosh you see 21st century you don't need that um you know i love moana's character she was strong she was i wouldn't say fearless but you know she held her ground she did what she had to do the actress who uh who did the voice 
I'll try to pronounce the, the, the I'll try to try to pronounce it. Um, Oli Carvalho. She's like okay. 16 years old, but she was excellent. She was like I wouldn't like I can't say she was. Oh, all right, fuck it, I'll say it. She was like the perfect person to play Moana. She brought so much heart, so much depth to you know this character, and just off of her voice alone, you know, um, and you know the the song that she sang. For the life of me, I can't remember that actual name of it, but I know it's gonna get an Oscar nom. That 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 is going to be the let it go of you know for of of, of twenty sixteen in my opinion. That song that yeah. song was fantastic. Oscar Woody all the way. Yeah, so I thought that she did an excellent job in terms of the voice, you know, voice acting. I'm hoping that she does more you know, I won't say voice actor, but I hope she does I hope that Disney has more stuff for her to do in the future. I hope that she doesn't end up doing some kind of, you know, some TV show, some That's a Raven or some kind of thing like that. I hope that she actually does or at least be in great movies and stuff like that. Um, Dwayne Johnson, oh, as we make know him in, you know, in the wrestling world, as The Rock proves once again that he is like the best wrestler turned actor ever. You know, just the yeah. thing that he would be... I mean, over the over the years of his career, he has done, you know, some family friendly stuff. You know, um, it's not like he's gonna do uh, a Fast and Furious movie all the time. He does the family friendly stuff. He he, you know, you could tell he has fun and he goes hundred and ten percent into what he does. And I felt that with this one, he didn't disappoint. He went all in. You know, just bringing life into this character here. And you know that moment where he sings though, that "You're Welcome" song that. Song just stands out so much to me. Well, actually, all these songs work, but I really love Your Welcome. It really shows that, yeah, this guy could sing though. And you know, if you're a diehard wrestling fan, you could be like, well, yeah, we all knew that that the Rock could sing. You know, when he came on the the ring every once in a while with the guitar and he would, you know, <laughs> sing these blues songs or whatever. We know he could sing back then, but I didn't think that he would actually, you know, showcase it in a Disney animated movie at that. And I thought that he did that perfectly. Um, the other characters were great as well too. I love the crab that um, that guy. I forgot his name from Flighty Concords played. Um, yeah, Jim, in, um, let's forget his again. His, his name though. Um, the I mean, yeah, I think it's yeah, yeah. Um, the grandmother. I love that character. Moana's grandmother. Wow, right. I love that character. That's what, that's and how they handled was huh. excellent. Just her attitude. Now, just that. I'm gonna live life to the fullest, even though I know I'm gonna die, and you know because I'm at that stage in my life but she still you know she still loved life though and i love that about that that character she really stood out to me as well too no yeah as i said they could have used the character better to have a better emotional build with the with moana no because you just had to disappear and then come back at the end and i was like oh that was kind of lame yeah it was, it was real disney-esque and that's well that's the next thing i'm gonna mention um i'm not gonna go out of my way to say the show is formulaic but it does follow that a little bit yeah Disney animated formula a lot. You right. know, I'm not talking about the songs and the musical cues and stuff, but just that whole thing with the princess having to, you know, go on this journey and meeting across this this character that she doesn't like at first, but then you know they all they become friends and whatnot. Um, and of course, you have the ridiculous, um, you know, a, um, animal character as well too, who. You know, you wonder what this character is doing there, and then they kind of help out at some point in time. So it does follow that traditional route a lot, and I didn't really see that that much of a problem. I know that some people that probably looking for something different might be turned off like that, turned off by it, like oh, I wanted something else. 
But to me, what slowly moves is just Moan's character. I love the fact that, like I say, just like, you know, unlike, you know, other Disney princesses of the past, um, well, of course, excluding anyone from Tangled and, you know, Frozen, the destiny wasn't about her looking, finding a man and getting married. It was about right. her saving her village, you know, her actually stepping up, rising to the occasion and becoming something greater. And that I love, right. you know, the most about it. So, I could talk for long about this show, but yeah, I, I, I love this movie. Um, I really want to put this on my top 10. I would love for this to be my top 10. <laughs> but for now, I'll give this a strong 4 to 5 stars. Definitely check it out. If you love animated movies, see this one. If you loved Tangle and Frozen, yeah, you have to see this movie. If you love that kind of style of, of animated movies, then yeah, you're going to have a blast with this. If you're still kind of skeptical, if you're like, oh, I don't know, you know, these, these these movies with these animated movies, I don't like with really singing and stuff. Just give this one a try. You're gonna have fun. You're yeah, gonna love it. You're gonna enjoy it. Yeah, it's solid. Oh, sorry, I forget a nice little um, the the post credit scene in Moana was a nice little call back to old Disney. All right, I haven't. Unfortunately, I did not. I did not see um that 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 um that scene though. But I wish I did though. Right. I kind of just stepped out because I had other stuff to do. So I did okay. not see it, yeah. Just like right after, right as you see, you know, Moana, the title, and credit, you start to see Starring Who Hunting, directed by, I just got up. But, you know, that yeah, wasn't okay. because of the movie being bad. It just, I had things to do. But good thing that you mentioned that post credit scene. So when next I get the chance, I really hope that I do get to see it before years end. So at least I could say, yes, this is supposed to be on my top 10 list. Then I could see it for myself. Right. Yeah. All right. So... Last but certainly not least, now we're going to move to TV. Because, yes, um, the, the kind folks at CW, you know, um, they did this crossover thing, man. We've been hearing about it for the past few months, and, you know, when the news came out, I was like, really? They're gonna, actually going to attempt this? Wow. And yeah. they pulled it off last week. So, of course, I'm talking about the crossover with Supergirl, Flash, Arrow, and Legends of Tomorrow. Um, be- before we get into the whole crossover thing, we have to talk about um, Arrow, because um, this, in a way, this crossover is kind of like signifying, of course, the 100th episode of Arrow. Right. Yeah. So, well, for for four and for four seasons and eight episodes leading up to to um, to this episode, well, sorry, seven episodes leading up to this hundred episode of Arrow. Wow, the the road that literally that that they took, well, at least you know, um, DC and you know Warner Brothers Television took to to get this thing moving. But wow, I would say I would just say this because I uh, actually took the time to watch all of the all of the episodes leading up to that. I know that you kind of dismiss Arrow; you don't want to see it because it's you know a guy with a bow and arrow fighting crime. You know, whatever. Uh, <laughs> uh, Arrow, Arrow just got, got Arrow was never good for me, and I heard it got worse. So well, I was yeah, like, that, I, that's, I, that's what I want to mention. That is really what I want to mention before I get into, you know, um, this ep- this crossover thing. So season one and two were fantastic, right? They were they were they were some of the best in terms of the the um, the, the, the series as far. And one thing though, like you know, just thinking about it, compared it to what Warner Brothers Television did before with Smallville, like. Arrow just went out of its way to be like, yo, this this isn't Smallville, no. This ain't no somebody save me, you know. This ain't that type of shit, no. This gonna be some real gritty in your face, bust people's noses, kick ass kind of 
superhero stuff that you probably never see on TV before. And with the first two seasons, they achieved that well enough, you know. They, of course, you have to kind of go in knowing, you know, it's, it's a TV show, so you have to kind of cheat with some of the CG and some of the emotional moments. Some moments might come off a little cheesy or whatnot, but you kind of buy into it because, you know, it's a comic book TV show, so that's a gimmick anyway, you know. Um, but season three happened now, and this was where, um, this is where the fans were divided, basically, where... I mean, they had this great, um, well, the, the, the whole gimmick, well, the whole plot of season three, basically, was uh, Rachel Gould. Yeah. Yeah, so Rachel Gould was the main villain, and then we had uh, Malcolm Merlin, who was in the first one, well, who was in the first season, and then it was revealed that he was um, Tears, as in, um, you know, Oliver's sister's legitimate father and all that kind of big twist and all that, and then we got to see, you know, the Black Canary and all that kind of stuff, and... It was it was good, but the one thing that you know stuck out like a sore thumb for a lot of fans was what we call the um, Olicity gimmick. Right. This is of course the 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 romance the the um the romance between Oliver Queen and Felicity Smoke. But what I got out of it though, what what I actually was impressed by was um uh, um the actress um Emily. Um, Richards, Rickard, sorry, who plays Felicity. I thought that she kind of gave like the best acting that she ever did in the whole series, like thus far. You know, she like outshone Oliver and all too, or Stephen Amell's character. Because you know, he has to be the kind of stoic guy and, you know, trying to, you know, hold his own, you know, and sometimes some people might be like, oh, well, he's he's being wooden, you know, he's he's not really acting that much. But I would say that's, that all depends on who's ever, whoever watching the show. You know, I, I have no problem with his performance. I, you know, he is the arrow, in my opinion. There are a couple of times where he comes off as wooden, but, you know, that's just the character, at least in my opinion. But to me, though, Emily's performance as, as, um, as Felicity always stood out for me. And, you know, I, I, I let season three slide. You know, it didn't quite any way how I wanted to, but overall it was really decent. And then we had season four. Which many people right. consider to be the worst of the series thus far, and I wouldn't be one of those who say uh, I I wouldn't really defend it, but I do understand why people hate the season. This was where they took the whole Ollie, um, Olicity thing and just stretched it to the to the to the to the extreme though, where a lot of moments were were about, and it wasn't really so much about a romance anymore. It was about Oliver really trying to. He was trying to, at first. He he was distance. He was trying to distance himself from being the Arrow, but then because of all the drama that was going on in Star City at the time, he had to you know fill that mantle. He had to be the Arrow again. But then they had all this back and forth between him and and uh, Felicity about why are you doing this for? Why are you making this call? Why are you making this decision? And then she came off really muddly at some point. But then bitchy at other times as well too, and it just made for some some rather cringeworthy moments in this season though. And I felt that the villain that they brought in, which was Damien Dark, if you remember him from um, Legends of Tomorrow, he was the main villain yeah. in this one. And I felt that kind of thinking, oh Damien Dark though, because I see what he did in Legends of Tomorrow. I was like, okay, he gone do like some real dread stuff now, like what uh, Marco Merlin and um, Deathstroke did in season one and two respectively. Nope. 
he was just on the written he was on the use he was there he did his thing they brought in this whole magic element and it was like this decent episode where they brought in Constantine and I think this was right around the time where the, the show itself Constantine was cancelled from um what station had right. it? Was it Fox or CBS? One of those two stations. One of those, basically. Yeah. And that was cool. So they brought in this whole element of magic, and, you know, and then they had this whole flashback thing, because, you know, well, one thing about this series, they also have this flashback to when he was back on the island, and how certain things led up to what going on presently in the in the season. That, that flashback thing did not work at all. I'm not even going to tell you what the story is about, because it's just a waste of breath, but it just did not work at all. And that's the way how the flashbacks work. Like, normally the flashbacks are supposed to be about roughly a two to, two to a half minute kind of sequence before you get back to the real thing. And then you're supposed to leave the sequence thinking, telling yourself, oh, I want to see what happens next. Even if it doesn't answer the question in this episode, I want to see what happens next. In the next episode, it didn't. It just lasted for like about a minute and then it would just cut to the next scene. And it just does nothing. It just stretches this like story or sorry stretches the episode for far too long and just like yeah what's the point of this but um that's a rounds up season four in a bit there's this one scene that that's slowly most to me and and you know like at first when i saw it I was like okay i kind of get what they're trying to do but at the same time the execution of it was just really painfully bad so <laughs> this is subplot where um i won't say how it happens where felicity is unable to walk so she has to spend a couple of episodes on a wheelchair, right? And then um, Ray Palmer, actually, um, remember Ray Palmer who plays Atom? In, yeah, uh, oh, right, yes, yeah. right. So he creates this tech, this this chip that you could, you know, put in the person's spine to help them walk. So it kind of starts off with her learning, you know, relearning how to walk there, right? But she still has to go back to the wheelchair because of pain and stuff. And then this is right after the uh, crossover with Aaron Flash, where... Um, Flash learns that Arrow actually had a son. You know, he knocked up some chicken he passed, and then she had this boy, and he finally meets the boy at the end of that Arrow episode. But Felicity didn't know until the moment where her uh, where the mother came in and talked about, you know, her uh, her son's life is in danger because, you know, Damien uh, kidnapped him. So right after, they, they, they saved the boy and all that stuff. There's a scene where... Um, where Oliver is he's recording himself he's recording himself like talking to the boy so he's telling him well don't watch this up, 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 up until the 18th birthday and yes I am your father and I'm also Oliver as well too sorry I am your father and I'm uh, and I'm Arrow as well too I didn't want you to know because I don't want your family to be in, in danger and leading up to that there was this whole back and forth between Oliver and Felicity as to why he would keep these things a secret and why she doesn't trust him and all that kind of stuff because he he, 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 he tends to bury a lot of his secrets and when these secrets come out, there's a lot of, you know, mistrust and all that kind of stuff. So, right. long story short, Felicity comes in, she opens the door, she's still in a wheelchair, right? She's seeing Oliver in front of his laptop, talking, doing the video. And then, lo and behold, she gets up off the wheelchair. She can walk. By the time Oliver finishes the video, he, he notices Felicity getting off of the chair and walking, right? He's like, he doesn't say anything, but you could tell he's surprised now because he was really rooted for her to be um, to be better. Because he still has feelings for her. He loves her. What does she do? She just says, bye, Oliver, and walks out the room. End. Now, I okay. get what they were trying to go for emotionally, but, oh, my God. It's, it's just 
just how that relationship itself was 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 handled in these series, that just made that moment so laughably bad. It was just like, yeah. oh my god, that was that was that was bad. That was terrible. <laughs> but now we get to season five here, and what I could safely say is that this season seriously picked up from you know the mistakes from from what he made in season four. I am loving the season thus far. It kind of returns to the whole grittiness of what season one and two established. I love the, um, the the flashback sequences, which is basically where he goes to Russia, where Oliver goes to Russia, because there was this one guy that he met on the island who was um, part of this Russian mafia called the Bradford. So he's trying to work his way back into the Bradford to find this guy and kill him. And we get to see a few familiar faces. Um, actually, Dolph Lundgren of all people, please, one yeah. of the main bodies in the in the Bradford. It makes up for some great gritty moments in in the in the series as far. And also, we introduce some new characters. Um, well, um, you know, after the request by you know, well, basically it's um, basically it's suggested by Felicity. You know, she kind of encourages Oliver to look for new people. You know, you'll build his own team. So now we have some new characters in the mix. Well, actually, four characters. One of which is Ragman. I think I, I can't remember which cartoon I saw Ragman in. I don't know if it was it was in the original Batman animated series, but I think it was the next one or Justice League Unlimited. I'm not too sure, but I know I saw that Ragman yeah. character no, before. Yeah, I know they have Mister Terrific in it. Yeah, Mister Terrific. He's um he's well. Alright, well, basically what happened is that um, Felicity now runs Palmatech. So he is this guy who works... Well, he was like an employee, and then both of them quit because, you know, the higher-ups realized he wasn't really doing anything. So he just decided, you know what, I'll just work with... He, he knows the truth about Oliver now. So he's like, you know what, I'll just help you out now. And then he kind of decides, you know what, I'm going to be Mr. Terrific. Because the reason being is because he was inspired by um, the wrestler, Mr. Terrific. That's why he has that um, that jacket on. And on the subject of wrestler, we even get to see um, Cody Rhodes, <laughs> who recently yeah. in WWE was playing the character of Stardust, and there was this little in-joke where he was kind of um, distributing this drug, which is called Stardust, so I thought that was a kind of clever tongue-in-cheek moment. But yeah, so we have some new characters here with uh, with this new season of Arrow. Um, we even have um, John Diggle, who returns, because he left in season yeah. 4. You know, to join the army, but now he's back and he's still playing this Spartan character, which I find was a real terrible name. And that helmet just don't work for me. I don't know why, but he's there. Yeah. We also have to make the joke. Queen. Sorry? Yeah, all of you make the joke, they call it Magnigro. <laughs> Magnigro. Oh my yeah. god. But yeah, Spartan was like, really? That's what you could call yourself? Spartan. Because this is the Warner franchise, so we must call ourselves Spartans. That's that's why I got out of it. Out of it. And then, yeah. of course, we have Tia Queen, who in season four decided to um you know speedy you know, do a little bow and arrow stuff as well too so now she's speedy yeah speedy yeah 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 so we have all that so now we have episode 100 and now i could safely ask you now uh, what are your thoughts on the overall um crossover what, what, what are your thoughts on it right so i've been watching all the other see all the other shows dc put out on television except for arrow yeah so what happened basically yeah, yeah, and I, I've been watching. Um, I've been, well, I've been watching Gotham, but Gotham don't count. No, um, but Gotham season two is still was still excellent. Eh? I'm watched three yet, but okay, I will eventually. I know a lot of people wasn't into that. No, well, well, what happened? Um, is that, well, the, um, the first sorry, first season of Gotham was them trying to figure out what they were trying to be. It was this this kind of crime right. story. It was this procedural thing, 
But then season two is like, oh, this is what we want to do. And then just went in bold, brave, and I really enjoyed season two. So haven't seen season three, but this is not about Gotham. This is about something else entirely. So continue. Yeah, I'll say that Gotham, right. So that and I have been really... So the Flash has been excellent from Fujima since day one. Yes, yes, um, yes, yes. For me. Love season and one, love season, season two. One in particular. Yeah, and season I love what they're doing this flashpoint thing with um with season three. I'm loving that so far. Right. Yeah, and then season two was great, and then season three great. Um, Supergirl, solid business. Season one, um, and then season two has gotten a little better. Uh, even yeah. though it get more corn, but it got better. And then um, Legend of Tomorrow has been really hit or miss for its first season, but I really enjoyed it for its uh, second season has really picked up in my opinion. Yeah, um, I, 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 overall I like I like the show for. Although this one was really intentionally supposed to be kind of over the top. It's the most over the top of the four um, series because it's just right. going yeah. bigger and bolder but, and but crazier. Smart move, smart move with Legends of Tomorrow is that they gotten rid of some of the bad characters from season one. Ah, yes. The two pretty bad. And Pondrat to a certain extent, I thought he was kind of bad too. I thought he was a little bit character's kind of a dummy and didn't really make sense. And he was ripping off Doctor Who a little too much in my opinion. Oh, um, um, so rip, they had a... Yeah. Yeah, Rip. So they had to rehaul the character a little bit. Yeah, and, um, then, and then like his self-loading as well too. Like, when Oliver yeah, does self-loading, I could understand, but him is just like, well, why shouldn't I Why shouldn't have gone in this time and I shouldn't have altered the timeline? Right. I just, it was annoying. Yeah, yeah. So they had to, I hope they rehaul the character. And, uh, well, he has anyway. to come back anyway, but, you know. Anyway, right. So the crossover, they decided to do this real simple crossover where aliens invade and Flash now has to go get Supergirl to help him out. And then... Um, he contacted Legends of Tomorrow to come help out as well to stop this alien invasion because yeah. Flash can't do it by himself. Yeah, that's that's just a simple bare bones premise. Simple, not too complex with it. And I thought this crossover is so so well done. It was it's as simple as say the Avengers because it is all about just getting the characters to come together. And they just I get the sense they just want to replicate Avengers. Um, yeah, especially with um how Legends of Tomorrow that climax was. Yeah, that was right. very they get, Avengers like. They get everybody to come together. And it's all about the characters interacting with each other and meeting each other. Yeah. That's it. And then they give a little, a bunch of little side stories and they address all these side stories. So they had um, Flashpoint affecting Firestorm, uh, Martin Stein's character. Yes, yes. Uh, they had... Well, it was kind of not really Flashpoint, but it was a mix of Flashpoint and his own interactions in time. Yeah. Then um, Barry Abbott explained Flashpoint to everybody. That was pretty good. They had yeah. um, and his arc going out. And then it's all about the characters. Nobody care about the aliens. Not really. Um, they just do a good job of just getting all these shows to link together and make it work. I, I listen, I'm willing to bet money that this is going to be better than Justice League next year. Oh willing to bet. Uh, I, I like it. I, yeah, 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 yeah. Like the TV people coming together. I thought this, this crossover was pretty well done. All the four episodes were well done. Flash was the best of the four, from my opinion. Um, but it was still, all of this was still so good. It, it was such a smart move from a written standpoint. Yeah. Um, it did good thing. And then next week, from the time it's recorded, well, this week at the time of this, this, uh, when it, when it's out, it'll have the season, well, the mid-season finale for all of those shows. Yes, yes, yes. And that is great. The Christmas break. Yeah. And that is perfect in terms of timing. Yeah, yeah, they hype it a lot. It get good ratings. It was a solid product, simple. All the characters work together. Supergirl, especially, she came in and just make it work totally. And it's funny how yeah. she was like so much stronger than the rest. And then they make that point, they hammer home that point about Kryptonians being better. And I love, I love what they do with all the interactions and the characters. Ray Palmer did a great joke with, with Supergirl. A little yes, quick yes, line. I love funny. that joke. 
I love that. Didn't see it coming, but I was like, oh, I love that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it does a solid business for me. I, I thought it, you know, again, the DC TV people just, you know, that awkward moment when your TV people know the material better than your movie people. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun with it. Um, yeah, and I, I just was totally in, 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 in it. I loved the whole thing. Yeah. Um, Supergirl was kind of superfluous. They just had to justify why she was there. They just do a quick thing. And it made it slightly relevant to the main plot of that episode. Right. Um, Batman Supergirl going okay with its, its arcs as well. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I thought this crossover was so smart, so well done. Um, you know, you could tell they, they, they spend the money on it. All the special effects are great, at least for TV. <laughs> <laughs> we, are, um, we have to say that. At least for TV. Right. And and yeah, I was like, yeah, this is a sci-fi <laughs> child kind of shit, but you have right. to understand. This is the budget and they use it. It's how they use the, 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 the effects. That's what I always loved about um, these shows, especially Flash, you know? Yeah. Um, but but if I... All right, well, I'll just share my thoughts on it, right? The one downside to it, the one thing that uh, that I wish that they, that they did better is really set up Supergirl's involvement better in this whole, you know, um, in this whole arc, basically. This whole... Well, it's kind of hard to do that because she's from a different world entirely. Yes, that... Uh-huh. Well, well, we could argue with that. Um, we could argue right. that because all we got, basically, was just... Or there's these breaches that keep popping up now, and it's just right. you know Cisco trying to find, um, trying to find Kara. Okay, right. I understand that. Cool. And what I what what I really love, well, especially with that episode with Supergirl and with all the other episodes, is that each and every episode that was involved in this crossover felt like its own thing. Yes, it it was all tied together by this one alien invasion threat, but each episode, well, sorry, so. Supergirl's episode felt like an episode of Supergirl. Arrow's episode felt like Arrow and Flash and so forth. Um, I'll talk about Arrow a bit, the, the episode 100. I, I saw what they were doing there and I thought it was great. What I, what I loved about that particular episode, I know you probably didn't feel it, is that they really was trying to establish why Oliver's doing this thing. It's, is that... It's just no, no, kinda, I got yeah. to know. I is followed journey that. Basically, was... it's the journey that led to this one moment. That just a reminder of this is what I've been right. doing for 99 episodes in, and this is the moment where it's like, it's all in, no, it's, I, all, I, on, it's, it's all or nothing, basically. I love yeah. that. Uh, if, if, you, if you remember, there's an episode of Batman, the animated series, that's very similar to this, where, um, you know, he wakes up as Bruce Wayne, as his parents are still alive, and life going great, and he's about to be married, and then somehow the Batman still exists in this universe, right? with him not becoming the Batman. And it's like, they totally rip off that episode of Batman, the animated series. Um, okay, I, I so honestly like... don't remember it. I mean, I love the original animated series, of course. I don't remember that one episode, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not surprised I that he did rip it off. I think Hugo Strange put Batman under like a hypnotist or some, some hypnotic something, uh-huh. and like a dream world kind of thing, and right. Batman had to figure it, figure his way out of it. That's pretty much what happened. Um, but yeah, um, that episode was so well done. I, admit, I, I got what, what he was trying to do for the under episode, where it was like trying to just establish um, Oliver as a character and, you know, right, why he was doing what he was doing. Especially yeah. like the little, little quick thing they did, right, when he was going to walk into the portal to escape the simulation. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that, that was, uh, yeah, that was that a real good moment. Um, I, I could tell that, you know, maybe if it was like a real diehard fan, you'd be crying and we'd be like, oh my god, <laughs> it's all working. But I saw that, I felt the emotion, but I know it wasn't going for tears, but. I saw it, I was like, yeah, yeah, I see it. It's, it's convincing. Just not a moment. Like, I guess if I was, like, real, real deep, as cry easily, I'd be like, yeah, this is the moment where you're supposed to, to tear up. And they're like, yes, Oliver, this is what it's all about. 
you know, all these people that were in your life and all that kind of stuff now. But it was a great moment. I, I really enjoyed that. Um, but back to the Supergirl thing. The Supergirl episode was decent. I like how it continued from what happened before, you know, with the whole cyborg Superman and stuff. But I yeah. kind of was thinking that the Medusa thing would have had to do with the crossover, but it didn't. That that was no. that was a letdown for me, though. I, I, I was kind of thinking it was it was well, being I up to actually it. Thought, what I thought they were going to do with that, remember, they showed, well, there's an earlier episode of Supergirl where they showed the president. Um, oh, yes, you're right. Um, um, yeah, who played, uh, you know, Wonder Woman. <laughs> Original right. actress who played her, yeah. Right, so I was... um. I thought it was going to do some interesting with that. So, uh, but it, that didn't link at all. So, whatever. No. Yeah. Um, right. And then, I was, like, you know, near me, and I was like, okay, where, where, did, where did crossover coming in? And then you saw, well, of course, when, you know, um, Barry and Cisco finally find her, and then they tell her about what's going on. Right. Which is good, but I just felt that, you know, to kind of start this, to, you know, this is the reason why we have this Supergirl episode in the first place, just to have the last two minutes really set up everything else. Kind of could have been, you know, done a little bit better. At least I find. And I would, well, right. reason why being is because the whole reason behind this, at least in my opinion, this whole crossover, is for people like, in in your case, who would watch three out of four uh, of these series, but wouldn't care for Arrow. But now, you know, you have a reason why you want, why you should be invested in it. So in this case, it was. Why should we be concerned about Supergirl now? Now we're bringing in Supergirl into this big universe, or we should, we should um, call it the Arrowverse. And they could have done that a little bit better. It's, it's just that I didn't like how they just did it in the last two minutes. So now, yes, now Supergirl is now going to be in this universe now. Yes, now we should be concerned about Cara Danvers now, instead of, oh, it's just something that, just a show that moved from CBS and now is on, on CW. You know, they could have set up her involvement in this new world a little bit better, at least in my opinion. Um, the Flash right. episode was excellent. I have no quarrels with that. Um, I love how they're still really focusing on this whole, you know, tension between Cisco and Barry because of what happened with the right. Flashpoint and Paradox. Right, that cycle. Yeah, I love how yeah. that little arc sort of came to a sort of realize how Cisco came to like this realization in you know Legends of Tomorrow of all shows. I was like, okay, I didn't expect it to happen. Right there, that was really cool. Um, the hour episode I thought was yeah. great as well. I, I I like how we got to see all characters. Although I was kind of looking for um, uh, Moira's second husband, the the black guy, didn't see him at all. We saw we saw his um we saw her her first husband, the one who who died on the you know when the the um the ship. He's the one who who basically killed himself, who committed suicide so Oliver could live. So the the book of names that um that he kind of started off with, you know, when he went back to the city. That was where it kind of started off with, you know. Uh, so I, I was I was glad to see him. I was glad to see Laurel as well, too. Laurel, um, who died, actually, in um, Season 4. And she was the one who was playing the Black Canary uh, right after Sarah, who, yeah, Sarah died, apparently, but then she came back, you know. Long story. But anyway, but glad to see those characters as well, too. That, that was decent. And that moment, you know, where he really set up why Oliver is doing this, and you know, that that was great. The little subplot thing with the other heroes and how they had to work with um with uh Flash and Supergirl that was decent. Although I find um this guy, the the, the guy with the hockey mask, we call Wild Dog, right? The Hispanic fellow, no? Yeah. The part where he was like, he don't trust metals because of this, and then lo and behold, <laughs> this is one chick that they're trying to get some some tech from. And then both yeah, Barry and, and um, Kara had to save his life. And I was like, 
yeah, now I like Metas now. Thank you. Yay. <laughs> it was just yeah. a whole rush to me. But other than that, though, um, episode was decent. And, of course, we could talk about Legends of Tomorrow, which is always the wild card in, you know, all four of these series anyway. Um, good. I, I, I like the idea of them going back to 1951. It's like, duh, because they have a time machine. It makes sense. Why? Of course they do that, you know. That, that, that made for a cool moment as well. Um, although I felt they could have done something a little bit more with that um, that Men in Black-like character. You know, the guy who they meet there. Yeah, I thought they could have done him, yeah. Yeah, I thought they could have done a little bit more with him. Um, but other than that, though, the, the, Wait, the real... Back. Sorry? He could come back as a villain. Yeah, I, I guess that's the idea, that he will show back up in that series as a villain, you know? But, of course, the selling point for everything, really, and for of that uh, particular episode of Legends Tomorrow was that... Um, well, we'll call the Royal Rumble, basically. Basically, their um, recreation of Civil War. But it's... No, well, maybe not Civil War. Sorry, my mistake. Of um, the Avengers. You know, all the heroes going up against the villains. Sorry, against the, the aliens. That, that was a great moment. Um, right. Although, at first, when I saw it... Like, when I saw the scene, I was like... Why Speedy not in this? But then I remember from the beginning... You know, um... Oh, gosh. Um, the guy who plays Steel. Yeah, Steel, who's part of the Legends now. He dropped off. He, he dropped Tia back home. And um, I remember there was a moment where Oliver says, you know, thanks for dropping her back home. It's like, okay, I understand. Right. But you still have um, Spartan with his guns and his helmet running and fighting and doing this thing. So it's like, why couldn't I have Speedy? I mean, she could fight. She could hold her ground too. You know what I mean? Okay, yeah. Yeah, well, but other than that, the, you know, everybody else who's supposed to be there, I like that. You know, I'm, I'm glad that they gave Firestorm some stuff to do. I talk about both characters. Right, yeah. uh, I was wondering, how come we're not seeing the two of them? We're only seeing more of Martin and this whole subplot with him and you know um, his his child, his daughter being this aberration. Is she or is she not? That kind of thing. And that that yeah. made for a really great moment. And I like how they brought in um, how they brought in. Uh, gosh, I forget her name from Flash. Um, Killer Killer Frost. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, yes, no. and the whole Killer Frost. Thing as well too, which we, which it was setting up um, in the season. I like how it kind of came up a little bit in um, in you know they kind of addressed it a bit in this um, crossover. That was fine. Right. But yeah, the 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 the, um, the climax, of course, in uh, in Legend Tomorrow was excellent. Of course, you know the the creatures themselves. I wish they could have done a little bit more work, but to me, it wasn't yeah. really so much about the creatures. It was just their presence and okay, the heroes have to team up and fight them. You know. Yeah. Yeah, that's a quick mention here. So, in my opinion, Movie Bob has a fantastic video called Supergirl is making it look easy or something like that. And he basically explains why it's that the TV people getting the shit right and shit together and the movie people in a mess. And yeah, yeah, yeah. This... It's, it's amazing though. Cause look at the, the... I know I keep using this word a lot. Look at the effort that they put into making this thing work. I yeah. know it wasn't perfect, but it worked. It, it No, but they make the point. They made the point. You made a simple point about the characters. It's all about the characters and making it work. You have to give oh, a yes, shit about yes, yes, the characters. Yeah. I don't give a shit about the characters in any movies. All the movies is garbage because of that. Yeah. That's the problem. It's all about the fighting and the action. And nobody gives a shit about that. I don't care about the characters. Man of Steel, they try to do something there, and that was alright. But Batman v Superman is a complete mess for me. Um, and yeah. Suicide Squad. I didn't talk about Suicide Squad. Oh, Lord. Yeah, that two elements was horrible. So yeah. I don't understand what's going on, but whatever. Point yeah, is. But- this, I still willing to bet money that it's gonna be better than Justice League next. <laughs> if it turns out to be better than that, oh my yeah, god! Yeah, I, 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 I should just leak anything. Yeah, no, you will go. 
Justice League, you go see, you get like a 45 on Metacritic, and you go see, get this rubbish score on Metacritic, and then people go be like, hey, you remember last year, the, the, the TV people get a ship right? Wow. Wow. <laughs> if that happens, eh? Oh, but... I don't think that the, um, the hangar, the hangar they had in, um, where they went to meet, yeah. looked just like the Wall of Justice. Oh, right, the exterior, yes, it did. That, right. that Star Labs, um, Right, uh, hang a thing, yeah, yeah, it did do, yeah, yeah, good point. Yeah, um, but well, you know, uh, uh, homages and references and stuff that I like, so it's like all the little DC fan shit that I know, know and love, it was there. Final point I'll make before I just give a little quick rating. This is what, but you know, is characterization. This is why these shows hold out for so long, even right now to Arrow. I mean, say what I want about season three and four being weak, but. They always had the characters down. Even in the most cringeworthy moments, like what I say what happened in season four with, you know, the, the whole uh holicity thing. The characters, because you're investing in characters, because the characters are so well developed and because you like these characters, you you you, you can't help but be investing in them when, you know, some big threat happens. Even if it sounds silly on paper. When you see it and just because of how these characters are well fleshed out, you want to see them succeed, you want to see them win. And then seeing them, you know, duke it all with these aliens is, is really exhilarating because you like these characters so much. Like this, this I mean, there's no characters actually within this, within the, 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 the group of heroes that, you know, meet up in this in this crossover. There's, I can't see there's any that, that, that I hate because they're so well developed, because they're, you know, and of course they're well acted and, and whatnot. So I can't say, oh, well, I hate Spartan or whatnot. I just find that the name is Shippard, but because John Diggle is given so much of depth as a character I can't help but, but root for the man when he's doing this thing like I'm actually glad to see him in this in this fight even though like I say it's just him with his helmet just firing two guns you know but other than that yeah. because yeah. of the character like Black like Widow character. yeah exactly he was he was the Black Widow I just wish that Speedy was in this one but I mean you have so much of characters already why can't I bring in Speedy she has more yeah, experience than, than Steel like Still not being there, I understand that. But Speedy, come on. <laughs> but other than that, though, I, I I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was risky. I, I could tell it was a it was a huge risk we were going for. It was an experiment. But right. I thought that it worked, you know, better than I expected. I kind of went to like, okay, probably one or two of these episodes might be might might not work as much, but all of them did. And what, like I said before, I really loved that each in each episode of these series felt like its own thing it didn't detract because it's because of the crossover there were a, right. a couple of moments where i thought they were going to do that like with the arrow uh one for example where they kind of went back to where you know they they kind of cut the the um the um narrative you know oliver's narrative to show flash and supergirl doing their thing you know but i thought that was going to really detract from the grittiness of of arrow itself now but it didn't so that episode felt like an episode of Arrow. And same thing goes for all the other episodes. Supergirl felt like an episode of Supergirl and Flash and all that. So basically, all I could just say is that, yeah, this crossover worked. What I would say, if, if, if the point was to get people to be invested in all four shows, I thought that they, that, that they succeeded with that one. Although, you know, you could say how some people that, like in your case, wouldn't, still wouldn't care for Arrow. Or some people still wouldn't care for Legends of Tomorrow. Still wouldn't care for Supergirl. But I say give all four shows a watch because they are doing something that, yeah, the, the Warner Cinematic Universe have been trying to do all of this year and been feeling, you know? 
Or you could say even before that actually. But yo, like I said before, you know the the the, the Warner DC TV people doing their thing, and you know it's amazing that they're doing something that they wish they could do on the big screen. But yo, yeah. they might to do it here. So if I could give this a rating, I will give this a decent four to five, man. Give this four episode crossover watch. You're gonna have fun with it. You're gonna have a blast. If this is incentive for you to watch all these four shows, then yeah, check them out. You know, even Arrow. You know, you know. But then again, to each his own. Some people might like Supergirl or Flash more than Arrow and you know Legends of Tomorrow because they have a different tone. You know, so Arrow was always the darkest of the four, and I would say you know Legends comes second, and then Flash, and then you know Supergirl. So you know, like I said, to each his own. But still, all these four shows are great. I'm glad that they're on TV. I'm glad that they're showing that, you know, superhero shows, TV shows in particular, can be fun, exciting, and engaging. They don't have to be sappy and melodramatic and soap operish. Um, you know, um, like, 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 uh, uh, Smallville and to an extent, Lewis and Clark. But yeah, yeah. you know, they, 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 they do deliver. They, they are very entertaining. They are fun. A little cheesy, but oh gosh, it's superhero stuff, man. You're not going and expecting wonders. So, by all means, guys, definitely check out the crossover. If you haven't, check it out. Um, and what else? If you haven't seen any of these shows, well, you have time until these shows pick back up, um, you know, after the mid-season finale. Well, sorry, when the season picks back up next year, I believe, February or whatever, I think so. So, yeah, you have time to, 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 um, to check up on right. all four of those shows if you haven't checked them out. So, yeah, any last words uh, on, on the crossover? Yeah, as I say, it's solid. This was really great, solid business for me. Uh, I, um, the mid-season finale uh, coming up, going to have, uh, for Flash, I will eyes the only one I'm going to really be hyped for. Um, going to have uh, the old man Flash coming back. Uh, ah. And that's going to be a big finale to take on the big villain, which is a pretty badass villain this round. Right. There's a hype for that. That's it. Cool. I thought this was great. Loved it. Yeah, so Warner, DC Television, whatever guys, all the all the guys, all the writers, Mark Guggenheim and I mean I made a bet. Greg um to um I made a bet I don't know if I this show before. But I made a bet with a friend that um if if Hillary Clinton lose the election, Wonder Woman will be very good now. Oh, yes, I remember a... you said that, yeah. Right. So uh, look, need movie people how to catch catch yourself up. Whatever. Yeah. But yeah, but but Mark Guggenheim, um, Greg Belanti, I don't just remember the surname. You know, Greg, move your head. Um, thank you for for listening to the fans. Thank you for giving the fans what they wanted, especially in Arrow's perspective, learning from their mistakes. Even if you if you go right now and Google it, you, I, I think they, I think the writers themselves were kind of like, yeah, why we did this whole Olicity thing <laughs> in the first place? It didn't work. And oh, by the way, um, I like that how they what they did with Felicity character, how they gave her a new boyfriend. Now he's this police uh, police guy working, this policeman basically. But right. they still have that whole relationship between her and Oliver. So you're kind of wondering if they could ever, you know, meet back up, if they ever start a relationship again. Who knows? But we'll see with the, you know, the season, you know, coming up. But overall, love this this um this crossover. I love the risk. I love the risk that they took with this and. I can't wait to see, you know, who knows if they might do another one like this next year. I wonder if they might bring on like a fifth show and try to, you know, tie that one in. I don't know, but we'll see. So, yeah, that's pretty much about it. We had a lot to talk about, but like I say, you know, two-week break and, you know, December. A lot of stuff to catch up on. So, on the subject of that, we have um, Westworld. 
which um you know the season one finale is going to be you know the night of the time of this recording so both right. of us we're going to take the time you know this week to you know binge watch all 10 episodes and we're going to come with a review for that also right. insecure which i didn't even know came to an end i i, I was expecting 10 episodes but apparently it's eight okay yeah so gonna watch all eight episodes i haven't seen nothing and then secure you keep telling me it's great but i will be the yeah, judge probably. of that as well yeah yeah all right um and what else i can't remember what else is there um but well, a couple of movies i think there's um well none in in theaters unfortunately so we'll have to look to the dark regions of the net and see what we could find i guess you know um, anything you're looking forward to? Let's see what is it I've left, Russell. Uh, not sure exactly. Yeah, well, the reason being is because we were supposed to get La La Land down here, but True. unfortunately, we're not getting it because we suck. <laughs> mm-hmm. But we're supposed to get, um, I believe, is a train to Busan. That's the what? that's the um, South Korean zombie movie, I believe it is. Okay. Yeah. I know Lion. Uh, Busan. I think the name of it is Busan. I think I'll I'll probably go see Lion. Oh yes, Lion is out. I haven't heard anything about it. So I can't vouch for it. I can't really say if it's anything right. good or anything like that. Um, we're supposed to be getting um, uh, Sully. Uh, Sully. And yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Bec- I, was, I, was, I was psyched yeah, for it, but because of the long wait that I had to wait for this thing, I kind of doubt I'm going to actually see it on big screen. You know, unfortunately. Sully, yeah, I, I'm not too hyped for it either. Yeah. Uh, like when it was out, like when it was out in theaters like in the States back in September... Yeah, yeah but why are the wait till December, early December at least, to see this thing? Why? That's ridiculous, yeah. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Uh, and of course, next week is Rogue One. Well, not next week, week after actually. It's December 4th, well... Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah well, so the week after, yeah. Yeah, so we have Rogue One, of course. Um, not, I, I would say I'm hyped, hyped, hyped for it. But I'm going to go in with the expectations that, yeah, this is going to be another right. solid I, I movie. I expect it to be a solid action movie. Um, yeah. not, well, I mean, I don't really like Force Awakens all that much. Uh, but, you know. I, I, I like that. I appreciate it. I just find that the whole um, nostalgia ride and thing was a little, uh, nostalgia thing was a little too much. Right. But, yeah, other than that, though, um, really excited for this one. But, like I said, that's not going in like, oh my god, oh my god, my god ah, going crazy right. over this one. Uh, oh yes, yeah, so I forgot to mention. Um, Music-wise, Charles Gambino's album "A Week yeah, in My Love" came out. I haven't listened to it yet, but I am going to check it out. I'm gonna do a review of it. I'm gonna make the effort to actually, you know, make down, um, take down some notes, listen to it twice, like I did with the Tribe album, and then share my thoughts on that. So you can look out for that for the next right. um, episode coming up. I think J Cole our new album. Well, um, actually, one that's coming out actually it's supposed to be coming out. I'm not sure okay. if it's this year, but he brought out two uh, videos for it. Love okay. them. Uh, one in particular where he took um, Joey Badass's, um Weaves instrumental, which I absolutely love, and he flipped. You know, he he rhymed over that. He made a very good point about um, you know Kanye West and how he looked up to him before, and you know how he kind of fell off, you know, over the past few years. A lot of people can interpret it as as a beef, you know, it's not a beef story as a diss, but it's just really like constructive criticism, but just in a rapper g cool kind of way but yeah great tracks if you haven't checked them out you know check them out check out the videos and all that too uh what else well of course christmas is coming up so 
I am gonna try my my damnedest to try to see you know try to compile my best and worst of movies of the year as well as um, best hip hop albums of the year as well too and a couple of other surprises as well. Um, so Ricardo, I don't know about you, but I really encourage you to kind of try to you know set up that list of yours so when time comes we could actually you know deliver something. Right. Yeah. And what else in terms of um, uh, movies? Well, you're not psyched for Assassin's Creed, but I will yeah. try to check it out. It's coming out on the 22nd, actually, so I'll see if I can cool. check it out at least before we do that year's end review. And, you know, maybe, you know, we can look out for some other stuff as well, too, like, you know, I was saying, trying to recap, you know, not really recap, but trying to catch back up on shows, that, you know, movies that I missed out. So you could expect a couple of bad movies or a couple of great movies with the next few reviews. Or sorry, I should say the next few podcasts leading up to our grand finale. So, with all that being said, Ricardo, where can we find you online, man? You can find me at Armedy on Twitter. So that is Ampersat R M E D D Y on Twitter, and then you can just type in my name, Ricardo Medina, on Facebook. Sweet. Well, you can find me on Twitter as well too. Um, under the alias Legally Black MJB, MJB are in capital letters. Also, you can find me on Facebook. Just look for Machibili, and you can also look for a Legally Black official fan base, where you'll find a link to this podcast here, as well as all the other that um, Ricardo and I have done, and of course the written reviews that I've done over the past few years. So, we talked a lot, and yeah. what I could safely see is that we have quite a lot of stuff to to cover this month. But I am psyched. You know, I'm I, I, I confident we're gonna get through this. You know, so we, <laughs> you know, so you, can, so you can expect that you know by time come by you know year's end, we're gonna have a solid list. Of course, like I said before, for best and worst stuff. So, um, what about you, Ricardo? You have your best and worst stuff in mind, or you yeah, have yeah, to kind of sit down building. and figure it out? Have a list building already. I definitely have a worst stuff. Don't know it. Yeah, yeah. I, I have a feeling what your number one is. I have a yeah. feeling it might be a title. Nah. <laughs> Time. Sure. Our definite most bullshit for the year. Sure, it's not gonna be a tie. You know we nope. talk about, right? You know the two shows. Sure, it's not nah, gonna be a tie. I, right? I don't have one show that is definitely fucking bullshit for this year. Ah, yes, yes, yes. I highly doubt that one might make it to my worst stuff, but who knows? Who knows? We'll see. <sighs> so that's pretty much about it, guys. So once again, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night, whenever you listen to this. This was Machibili and Ricardo Medina. And we are signing off from another episode of BS Beats and Bailey. So, guys, take care. Until the next one. Peace.